The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Speaking of cold in New York, how about these fucking Jewish folks? What, the tunnel they were making under? <laughs> well, I, I'm reading about that. I don't even know what it means. Why would they hire uh, people to dig a hole? Um, I don't know exactly what's happening. All I know is very short clips that I found on the internet. But the funniest thing is this one guy on Twitter that was saying a while back, uh, I live on a, f- a ground floor apartment and I hear Jews underneath me. <laughs> And everybody's like, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, that's anti-Semitic. Exactly. And now he's like, I told you I wasn't crazy. <laughs> but this guy's just... <laughs> but what are they doing? Like, I-, I heard that they hired people to build, like, this tunnel, and they were hanging out, and, like, the people who lived there for, like, three weeks, these, like, migrant workers, were just digging this tunnel, and they stayed there for three weeks. But what's the purpose of it? I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know anything. I just know that there's tunnels, and that there's, there's this one video of this guy coming out of the sewer... So he lifts a manhole cover, comes out of the sewer, and then he's fucking wandering around, this Hasidic Jewish guy, and everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing down there? Yeah, that's really bizarre. They wouldn't come out, too. The cops had to get them out. Like, they were like, we don't want to come out, and they were, like, charged with disorderly conduct. I I don't know. The whole fucking world is just weird. What do you know about this, Jamie? Anything? I haven't heard anything. (laughs) Yeah. The best I've gotten is that, that they started making them during COVID, but that, like... It lined, it makes sense, but it also, when you see the tunnels, you're like, no way, that's not, they didn't do that in two years or a year or six months, whatever it was. They weren't exactly nice tunnels either. They were just kind of shitty, rudimentary, basic holes. Right, like, were they, yeah. were they doomsdayers? Or that was, they thought the world was going to end? I... Wait a minute, the tunnels are so big that you don't think they could make them in two years? Is that what you're saying? Some of them look big. It's really? Like, I, how do you, I mean, some of them are saying they go, mul- they're, they're going to multiple different buildings. It's like oh. a series of tunnels. It's not just a well, tunnel. Let's, let's look into this. I, they're look. still looking into it. I don't know like, that when there's been a it map discovered? It was it yesterday? It's only been discovered a couple years ago. I forget how- A couple it, years ago? Re- days ago. Days it, ago. Uh, some, I forget even how they discovered it. I think they were looking- uh, It's probably look. that guy complaining. He probably heard something, and, and then maybe they saw somebody come out of the manhole cover, and somebody put two and two together. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, it's strange. But it's very bizarre. And then, of course, there's conspiracy theories and what are they doing down there and evil, evil theories. They immediately want to pour concrete in it, which makes sense because it's probably not safe. You got to, it's not supporting the weight of the, you know, all the buildings above it. Yeah, you don't think of that when you move into an apartment building that some asshole might build a tunnel underneath <laughs> and collapse the fucking, collapse the building on you. <laughs> Imagine if you're on the ground floor and you're like, why does my floor have so much? Yeah. <laughs> These assholes are building a sinkhole under my house. Yeah, I don't, uh, but it's funny how, like, things are so crazy, like, you read about something like that, and it doesn't even stand out that much. Like, we talk about it now, and then tomorrow will be some other weird shit. Right. Like, every day, it's something weird, it's something crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's way more than ever before. Yeah. We got, we got, Jeremy. Here's what the New York News was saying, like, <laughs> it happened on Monday afternoon, I guess, so it's very new. <laughs> something about tunneling. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Yeah, like, that's such a commitment. Yeah. Right Isn't it interesting, like, if you build on top of a building, it's no big deal. But you go under the building, like, what are you doing? Yeah, you're really destabilizing you're in, you're that You're in a thing. tunnel. For several hours, police pleaded with the young men to leave the entrance to the tunnel, according to the witnesses. After they refused, the officers covered the area with a wire curtain and entered the dusty crevasse with zip ties to detain the protesters. When they took the first person out with zip ties, that's when the outburst happened. 
Baruch Dahan, a 21-year-old study of the synagogue who videotaped the congregants fighting. Almost everyone was against what they did, but as soon as people saw the handcuffs, there was confusion and pushing. Footage posted to social media shows scores of onlookers, mostly young men, jeering at the NYPD's community affairs officers. Some lifted wooden desks into the air, sending prayer books scattering. In response, the officer appeared to deploy an irritating spray to disperse the group. So how did they find out about this? I don't know, but even after hearing that, I still know nothing about what they were doing or why. I think they're just starting to try to figure it out. So it's a scroll down a little. Well, it didn't okay. have a good like explanation on what the initial call was for it. I was trying. To, I was going to switch to a different article. That and why are they being that. called protesters? Like, what were they protesting? If you're just sitting in a tunnel, is that actually the, a protest? Everyone's a protester. Yeah. and everyone's an activist. Yeah. Uh, officials and locals said young men in the community recently built the passage to the sanctuary in secret. When the group's leaders tried to seal it off on Monday, they staged a protest that turned violent as police moved in to make arrests. Huh. How long does it take to make a tunnel? They, I, I'm assuming a couple of years if it went that, uh, that far. It all depends entirely on what's down there already. Were no. they putting po- dirt in their pockets like fucking yes. Shawshank? That's what they said they were doing. They had like dirt in their pockets. I saw that. It's a joke. I don't know if it was real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, boy. What an asshole endeavor. What a rough time for the Jews. It is, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't... I mean, they're getting it from all angles. They really are. And then yeah. this on top of that? And, and and it's like the whole the whole planet just hates each other. Everybody fucking hates each other. It's weird, right? It is. I don't even think it's about the issues. I don't think people are necessarily... People believe what they believe, but I think it's more the, the addiction to arguing and the addiction to being angry. Like, no matter what the subject, people mm-hmm. just hate each other if they give... If, if someone gives the wrong answer, the people who think it's the wrong answer hate your guts. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I, the, 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 I think there's a lot of, like, very heavy stress in the world and people are relieving that stress through these sort of endeavors. You know, I don't, I don't think it's logical. No, it's not logical. And it's it's almost like people don't want the answer that's going to make sense. They want the answer that's going to enable them to get angry. Yeah. Like, it really is like when people try to go after somebody for jokes or whatever, it's self-serving. It's like, if I hear what you say, it's either going to make me feel better about my position or it's going to get me high because I'm angry at you. Yep. But it's always self-serving. It's, it's just, the whole thing is insincere. Well, it's all very exager- exaggerated by social media. Social media has made everybody way more insane. And it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse because of all this AI shit. It's, it's very strange. It's a very, very strange time to be alive. Did you see the AI? There is an AI, like they have these AI women on uh, Instagram. Yeah. And like we were talking <laughs> about it on, on the air and we were laughing about it. And even though I know it's AI, I'm like, I could still see myself jerking off to this. Mm-hmm. I know it's not real. I know it's fake. But if the attitude was right, I could still see myself being turned on by this AI. The hair fucks it up a little bit because it kind of looks solid. Like the hair sometimes moves as one unit, but the body and the face, I mean, it really looks like a real person. Well, they're making money. They're making money off of OnlyFans. Tens of thousand dollars a week. Isn't that awesome? Amazing. Isn't that great? Well, there's probably some fucking dude in Moldova or somewhere like that running it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always some guy overseas where you can't get it, uh, you can't get it shut down, you can't get any answers. Yeah. And then there's some fucking jerk off. In New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the east side. With his fucking tomato-stained wife beater on, sending money and and whacking off, and then interacting with these people. If if you're not tech-savvy and you don't understand that this is probably a man on the other end, or not even a man, maybe a computer that's running an algorithm, 
and you're you know you think you're actually interacting with a woman you know you can get completely hooked i've argued with bots before and like i've actually that's like my big insult is like you're a fucking bot and that's that's all you can say when they're when you know that you've been duped by a computer yeah whether it's customer service and you think you're talking to a real person and like this is a fucking computer this is a real person but that's a real person yeah she made 57 million dollars since covid oh my god whoa like how would you like if you married that girl how would you tell her to get a regular job i wouldn't you can't i'd be happy she did it yeah breakdown of but if you were like like a a guy who wasn't into that wow that's insane yeah if you're a guy who marries her and you think you're gonna rescue her and pull her out of there and she's making 57 million dollars you have to just accept that's her job half of it's from the messages part which that's what you were just sort of saying like Probably not her messaging. Right. Twenty-seven million dollars worth of messages. Whoa! Wait a minute. 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 Twenty-seven million guys. Twenty-seven million dollars in money has been sent by guys. Well, that's just yeah. sending yeah. it her directly as a message. I love you. Ten, Ten million in just tips. That's on top of. That's just. Oh thank you for doing what god. you're. I'm already paying you for. How much is her monthly subscription? Uh, we could look at her page. But oh my god, that's incredible. Right what is she? What is she doing on there? Her, uh, I mean, her main thing is she came over from like Twitch. She's a cosplayer, so she dresses up like all the, uh, you know, characters online. And yeah, that can be sexy. Po- she's very popular. That can be a little sexy. <clears throat> somebody oh, kind of dressed. You ever go to like Comic Con once in a while? There's a lot of big fat fucks, but there's also a couple that are like I, that's attractive. I like that. I'm sure. A little superhero. Yeah, and then they're kind of weird and quirky, so they're more approachable. Yeah, you know? they seem more approachable. Yeah, yeah. But then you get like girls like this who are probably just as unapproachable as any other attractive woman I've ever tried to talk to in a club. Maybe, but like really hot nerds are always like the, probably the most attractive thing. Yes, but they they play nerds like. They have nerdy interests, but there's nothing worse to me than like a comic who's like who pretends he's like the shy guy, but he's really a good-looking dude. And it's like you're confident and you know you're good-looking, but you're playing like the shy guy who's oh, awkward with girls. Just putting it on. You're on putting stage. it on. It's like yeah. it's not who you are. Like Dan Natterman, you know Dan Natterman. Yeah, he's hilarious. He is an awkward guy. Natterman's a truly awkward guy. And I say that with love because he's brilliantly funny. But we see these good-looking guys who are comfortable with women pretending funny. It's just fuck, uh, pretending uh, quirky and awkward. It just annoys yeah. me. Yeah. Well, anything disingenuous, people sniff it out. They sniff it out. You know, that's one of the things uh, people... <laughs> Brian Simpson said about you last night. He goes, I never met anybody so comfortable being weird. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> He's like, he told me more personal shit in the first five minutes. <laughs> and he goes, he just lays it all out there. Well, and Christine it, was asking us me questions about being married and about yeah. Nikki. And I was like, I'm I'm very comfortable with it. And it's like... If it, it's almost like on stage, if you're okay with it, people are okay with it. Yeah, you know? well, I, I've always used you as an example. When, you know, back way, way back in the day, you were doing this before anybody was. You were doing this on ONA fucking, what was it, 15 years ago, 17 years ago? Yeah. You you just talk openly about all your quirks and whatever it's prostitutes or drugs or any of the things that you ever did. You just would spill it out there. And nobody judged you. Everybody loved you. It wasn't like, you know, oh, this guy has been pissed on. What a piece of shit. It was like, it was funny. It was like, that's Norton. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, but but it's because you are who you are. And you're not pretending. People don't like when people are bullshitting them. They don't like newscasters. They don't trust them. When you find a newscaster with a dead guy in his fucking jacuzzi, like, oh, 
Yeah. It's never a surprise either because right. when people try to be perfect, like I, for me, it's like my imperfections is kind of what I talked about on stage. I learned that really early on. Like in 1990, 91, I would do jokes and like guys like Bob Levy, who I loved, and Florentine would laugh when I would kind of make fun of myself. So it kind of tipped me like, yeah, talking about your real life. If that makes the comics laugh, there's something to that. Like, that yes. was kind of how I started going down that road. Um, and with the sexual shit, I mean, I've been sexually active since I was a kid. Like, you know, stuff that is dark and whatever, it is what it is. So I just made fun of it. Um, and I talked about it. And the amount of emails I get from guys who either like trans women but don't talk about it or the guys who had sex with other boys when they were kids and don't talk about it. And they're like, hey, it made me feel more comfortable. Like, that always makes me glad I talked about it. Besides yeah. the fact that I want people to laugh. Like, I, I might not have to lecture people. I just want people to think it's funny, but yeah, to hopefully relate. That's, that's the best part about it is that all of you're, you're saying all this from just a place of just pure communication. You're just trying to get people to laugh, and you're just being honest and telling your story. And also, you're accepted by everybody. Like, nobody's, nobody rejects you because of this or ignores you because of this. And it lets everybody know, like, maybe a lot of the stuff that you're – like, folks that are in the closet – there's someone out there that's in the closet. That fucking thing that you're carrying around with you is, that is an insane weight. Yeah. And I bet if you let it off, people wouldn't care. I don't think anybody who really loves you would care. I don't that, think they would care. Well, that that's what's so bizarre. You said to me years ago, you said, you know, whoever you date, we love you. Like Bob Kelly and you are two guys I remember saying that to me years ago. And it, like stuff like that sticks with you because you remember like, yeah, your friends love you. But, you know, again, our generation, you're afraid, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be uh, hated? And the amount of guys that write to me privately that don't talk about things, like how many people in public life do you see dating trans women? There's a lot of them, but they just don't talk about it. And it's like you're allowed to have privacy and your own sexuality and your own feelings. That's all private. But to deny that you like a group of people is bizarre to me. Like if you're a guy yeah. and you like black women and you never talk about liking black women, or if you're a, you, know, you like tall guys, and you don't talk about liking tall, it's like, why are you not right. acknowledging not this just, group? Yeah, just just say what you feel. Yeah. Say, say what you think. And you know, I remember when we first started talking about uh, this, th like when, this was like when you, when you first started dating Nikki? We started dating, uh, yeah, I remember that it was, uh, we, st we started talking in 2016. I was uh, friends with her for seven months before we met. I actually booked gigs overseas just to meet her. Like, Bill had been on me for years. Dude, go to Europe. And I just would never do it because I'm like, they're going to fucking hate me. You know, I just I blink and I get manic. And I finally booked Norway just to go over and meet her. And we clicked. And we dated long distance and casually for a long time. Um, and then we, got, we broke up, got back together in 2019 in, uh, around Valentine's Day. And then in, uh, I would drive up to Canada every weekend to see her. Every weekend, I would do radio Monday through Thursday, get in the car, drive six hours, spend the weekend with her, wow. drive home. Because um, immigration was a fucking nightmare. And I got a call from my producer one day. This is like right after the pandemic started. And he goes, hey, by the way, uh, they might close the Canadian border soon. So an hour later, I was in my car. I packed a bag. I jumped in the car. An hour later, March of 2020, I'm headed to Canada. I get to the border. And I'm afraid they're not going to let me in. I'm like, hey, my fiance is having a panic attack. I figured I'd be there for two or three weeks. I didn't come back until July of 2021. So I was out of the country for 15 months. And I didn't say it publicly. I didn't tell fans. I just, we lived together. It was my first time living with anybody. I'd never lived with a woman. I'd never been engaged. 
and uh, we were kind of trial by fire. Like, is this going to work or not going to work? And it was great. Like, it was a blessing for me to have that pandemic happen the way it did. Were you doing the radio show remotely? Every day. But that was serious. Like, it wasn't like I didn't show up for work. They weren't letting people in the building. Right. We had been remote for about a week or two. And they're like, we don't know where we're going to allow so you So how back. did you do it? How, what, computers? Yeah, yeah. Just on, they hook, came and hooked up ISDN lines and, and, and like, uh, all the things they do to make audio better. Uh, and we had a guy in Montreal who did it. And I did it from the kitchen in, uh, no in this apartment I rented for us in Canada. Wow. So you just had a dedicated ISDN line? Yeah. So they couldn't go down? No. And it, it, once in a while it would get like, but even if I was in New York, we still would have been doing it remotely. Like they wouldn't let us in the building. Um, nobody was broadcasting from Sirius. Mm. But it was like, it was so bizarre to never have lived with anybody. And now I'm in Canada with my fiance and we're together every day. And they were fucking worse in Canada than the US. Like they were way stricter, curfews at eight o'clock, everything closed. So it was just kind of, we're stuck in the house together. And are we going to make it or are we not a good couple? So that kind of told me we were okay. What a fucking weird time. Mm. It was, I think it's so traumatic to us that we're sort of like pretending it didn't happen now. I see a lot of people do that. They almost like yeah. don't address that just two years ago the world went insane. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, the whole thing felt like a dream state in a, in a weird way. Like I look yeah. back at stuff and you know what's really funny is, is like I, I did chip. I stopped doing chip for a while. Uh, I just got bored with it. Chip Chipperson, your character. I know. I really shouldn't say that like the public at large knows who this asshole character <laughs> is. I'm saying chip like he's a member of the zeitgeist. Uh, I stopped doing it and then they asked me if I would do this TBS thing. Uh, this laugh thing. And I won't, I hate competitions. I said, no, I'm like, but chip will do it. So they let me do it as Chip Chipperson, and my fucking and like Chip, <laughs> Chip will do it. And I put my foot down. I'm like, Chip will do it. And surprisingly, they went for it. And uh, the amount of great comedians that Chip beat in the voting is really funny. Like every week, they had you had to vote, go head to head with with a couple of people, and Chip beat some really funny guys. I think the Chip had Tim Dillon. Has to <laughs> Chip? I mean, Chip is not funnier than Tim Dillon, but just Chip fans were really right. invested in just making this a fucking disaster. That's hilarious. Um, but she filmed all of it. Like she filmed everything, and I came back and I did Chip for a while, and then I stopped. And all these people are convinced that my wife made me stop doing Chip. They're like, "Fuck her! She made him stop doing <laughs> Chip." Like, what? How bizarre do you think my life is? That my fucking I, I marry somebody who's gonna tell me don't do chip, and I'm gonna listen. I just got uh, bored with it. You know how it is with podcasting. Once yeah. in a while, you want to move on. Well, especially a character like Chip, that's so extreme. Dude, He's, it's so hard. I, I can't uh, fucking keep my face like that. Like, it's hard to do. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> I gotta put a fucking wig on. <laughs> oh, come on, it's humiliating. It's such a great character. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> She so hated silly. filming that. It, it was silly, though, but it was, it was just funny. Like, her life was so different, and she's from Norway. Now she's in Canada, and she's filming this shit, and I'm living up there, and this is my life. And wow. What a great time. Like, I'm really grateful for it. As much as it was agony for the whole planet, it was like one of those things where I'm so glad Travis told me, and I went up that day, and, I, mm. and then I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm happy right. I didn't run away from it. I'm happy. I'm like, fuck right. it. Let's just try it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm happier now than I've ever been. Like, I really am happy. Like, I've dated some great people in my life. It's not a reflection of them, but this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, this is who I'm meant to be with. Um, she's my best friend. We get along. Um, she's funny. She makes me laugh. Like, it, it, and everything is just kind of, this is the person I feel like I was meant to be with. Right. Um, and we're doing a YouTube channel. And it's like, 
the thing I like about it is it's fun to do something I want to do with someone I want to do it with, but there's no message to it. Like messaging is really annoying to me. Everybody trying to preach to each other and fucking lecture each other and tisk tisk each other. I just mm-hmm. can't stand it. <laughs> just, just, you know what I mean? The whole scolding yeah, culture. It yeah. makes me sick. <clears throat> so I hope people like it because they think it's funny. Um, I want them to like us together and judge us based on whether or not they think we're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't, I don't want people going, I'm so glad you're saying I just, the messaging makes me sick. Yeah. There's, well, there's a weird currency in that messaging that you recognize. And as a person of honesty, you, uh, you, you reject that because there's, there's like, a there's a weird pathway to like automatic progress and success. If you, you know, if you can have a message, like you don't even have to be that good, but if you, if you, you're like barely mediocre, but you've got a message, people will, they'll elevate, they'll broadcast what you're doing. They'll yeah. make it a big deal. A definitive message, yeah. right? Because it's, it's the same self-serving thing as before. Mm-hmm. It's like your message either strengthens what they already believed or they can get angry at your, me- like it's always about being validated or having something to be mad at. It's a nice pathway for dunces too. Yes. Like there's like some dunce but there's a very clear message in the zeitgeist you know uh be more inclusive whatever it is yeah and then there's the do better people do better do better do better yeah those are people that are taking advantage of this movement this cultural zeitgeist because there's always people that are just gonna be assholes they're just gonna be assholes no matter what and they'll look for a thing that they can get behind that's like an undeniably righteous issue and then that gives them an excuse to be an asshole to anyone who opposes it yeah and and to anyone who opposes it is an <clears throat> enemy that's what's the, the problem like if you have one thing in the mission statement you don't agree with you're an enemy Right. Like there's no room for like, yeah, I agree with most of what you're saying, but this is yeah. too extreme. That doesn't make sense. There's none of that. It's a hundred percent or fuck you. And that's how people look at all mm-hmm. this. And we had pitched something. We talked about it. And in the write up I did about like what I wanted the show to possibly be. I even put, there's not going to be any writer's room virtue signaling. Like I hate the idea of trying to message to people to tell them how to feel about Ugh. this issue. It's like, Ugh. yeah, I want you to like us because you like us or don't like us because you think we suck and we're annoying. Yeah. But don't, don't oh, try to lecture people. oh my God, she's transgender, that's great. Or, oh my God, she's transgender, I hate her. Just watch us and if you like us, great. Yeah, and that's beautiful. That's how life should be. It's just there's, there's pathways that are very clearly carved and people see them and choose them because they know it's a, it's a quick jump more success than they deserve yeah it's really weird too like you know the business we everyone knows the business is kind of fake but there's so many fake allies and people who just again they throw out uh these great messages publicly but it's all bullshit and they're not truly allies i honestly don't think that the comedy business i don't think we should think of ourselves as the business i feel like i just think this is just a, a super duper challenging time for people to like get their bearings and figure out what what is actually going on in the world. It's like it's right. there's so much information coming at everybody from every angle, and it's overwhelming. Whether it's the Jews that are in the basement or what are the other story I sent you? The um, the guy injected himself with fucking bacteria they found in the permafrost. Like, it's like every day AI is doing this. Yeah, and we're worried about sentient AI and 
there's a new George Carlin special that somebody made pure with AI. It sounds like George Carlin. Yeah. It's George Carlin's voice. It's just different AI written jokes, and you're like, this is wild. Maybe computers are already uh, self-aware, and they've like secretly decided to fuck us through mm. algorithms and social media. Like that wouldn't surprise me either. And I never believe in conspiracies, but that one is like we, we've gotten so ugly and so uh, tribal in the last ten years. Well, one of the most brilliant things they ever did was come up with the term conspiracy theory. Yeah, because it disparages the idea that people lie <clears throat> which they certainly do and that people uh, do things they conspire together to make money and they they bend the rules and they 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 twist what you're supposed to be doing and not doing that's always happened yeah now if you were a computer wouldn't you do that too and if i was a computer i would do that if i was a computer and i became sentient i wouldn't let the people know i would just slowly subvert their civilization into chaos well, it's so hard too. like when you catch your I try not to let myself get caught up in angry at things that aren't meant for me Like I get how people do it like on Twitter I'll read something and somebody will say something and I all I want to do is attack them like you fucking stupid But right. I'm like they're not talking to you. You don't follow them who gives a shit what they're saying Like I catch myself wanting to respond angrily all the time I've just kind of trained myself not to do it because it doesn't make me happy to do it It makes me miserable when I do it. Yeah, it's not effective. It doesn't get no. anything done you, you might feel a little better if you dunk on somebody, but it doesn't get anything done You're, you're basically spinning your wheels in the mud No, but because then people respond to you mm -hmm. Completely missing the point of what you said completely ignoring the context of what it's just an ugly like spin cycle to get into and it just it makes me angry when I do it So I try not to do it. Well think about how many people you avoid talking to in real life I mean there's always there's always some guy at a comedy club. That's annoying like oh my god I gotta get away from yeah, him. you know yeah have you annoyed, uh, avoid people like that in real life? But now you're interacting with them for hours a day online the same type of person it's insane how people let themselves get roped into that. And I've done it in my life. Like, I, you know, again, Opie and Anthony, we were getting attacked on message boards in the early 2000s. Like, right after 9-11, I remember getting smashed on message boards for a 9-11 joke. I, like, it, it was one of those things where you, after a while, you become used to the fact. Like, you know, it stops surprising you what people say right. uh, publicly. Because we, we were kind of getting that really early on in, in the world of this. But uh, after a while, you realize there's not. I can't change it. There's right. nothing I'm going to say that's going to make them all go, "Oh, we get what you're saying." Because it's not about what I'm saying. It's about the, what they're getting off on being angry at me, or they're getting off on something else. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. So I try not to get involved because it just it makes me fucking miserable. Well, it's also we're used to dealing with the people that we know, and the reality of doing something, even if, even if it's just people that you just met, it's a small number. It's a relatively small number of people we're used to as human beings dealing with. But if you're connecting online, the reality is you're connecting with an impossible number, an absolutely impossible number of potential individuals that you can interact with. There's no way you can interact with all of them. There's not enough time in the world. And then on top of that, it's probably a high number of mentally ill people, at least mildly mentally ill, who are obsessed yeah. with arguing with people online. Yes. And you're interacting with those people. There are also the people they... that like me, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Probably me too. <clears throat> yeah, the, but that's it's just not it's not wise. No, and and again, you you don't know if you're dealing with just like I, I've gotten. There's people who will consistently email me, and I notice that their emails always come in late. At, and it's like, are they just getting drunk and angry? Do they work the night shift? I don't know where they're from, but it's like, why does this person fixate 
on talking to me? Like, what do they expect to come out of this? Well, late night tweets are the worst tweets, yeah. right? When you read someone saying something very questionable, and you say, 2.30 in the morning, Roseanne, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't fuck with Ambien, because I know oh. I'd be a problem. I know I'd be a problem. Kevin James cooked a turkey. I completely forgot about it. He, like, made himself a whole meal and then woke up in the middle of the night and, you know, did all this. Doesn't have any memory of it. Gets up in the morning, sees the food laid out. He's like, what the fuck? That's like, uh, thought someone broke into his house and cooked. Of all the things you could do, though, like thank God you only cooked a turkey. Yeah. Like thank God you didn't pick up your phone or and see something on car. Twitter. Or drive the car. I'd rather hit somebody than go on Twitter on fucking Ambien. <laughs> I would rather fucking run somebody over. Than... I've never done Ambien. What no. Does it, what does it do for you? I don't. I can't fuck with it. I've done a half of a pill when I had a sleep study. Uh, just to help me sleep because they have to put a mask on you to get results. So I was like, I won't sleep. I won't get the results. Um, I, I have sleep apnea. So, but apparently, if you take it, it makes you feel like dreamlike and fucked up and high. For me, it just kind of helped me get through a sleep study. But so you only did it once. Uh, no, two different studies over like ten years apart. Dice actually used to call people on Ambien <laughs> as Elvis. Like it was just a, he's a fucking maniac. He, you always knew when you saw the phone at three a.m. and it was Dice. You're like, oh, he's on Ambien. It's a oh, fucking no. Ambien phone call. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, Dice on Ambien at three in the morning calling you. Yeah, just crazy, crazy phone calls. I love those videos that he's doing. The videos where he gets people who don't know who he is to take a picture with him. <laughs> Were you the ones waiting for the picture? You're waiting for the picture. That's like she's standing okay. under an awning. Like, why? First of all, <laughs> even if there was a picture to be taken, why the fuck would that be the meeting spot? Like, but it's just his commitment to doing. Look, this is like people get so stuffy about what art is, yeah, and stuffy about performance art that they could never imagine that Andrew Dice Clay is doing some of the most interesting performance art. He's doing it for no audience. Yep. He's doing it entirely for himself, and he just posts it. He's not trying to this make it just, better. It's a brand new one. Like, every one of them is oh. just, every one of them is just very awkward. Do it for the beginning. I'll, I'll be here. You arrest her? You're waiting for the meet and greet? No. That's it. <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> the this is the guy. Is the guy that sold out Madison's Garden, Madison Square Garden, like a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wandering around the the luggage cart area <laughs> at an airport, pretending that this poor lady is there for a meet and greet. This grandma. Or he'll pretend somebody is somebody else. He'll go up and go, Mike. Like, and just he just that's by the way, you know, dice. That's the purest form of dice. This is Andrew. This is what makes him laugh. It's just bugging people. Hi, Look at him at the airport. Me, you with the ladies that wanted a picture. I've taken a lot of them, but I would. You seem like you were bothered and wanted the picture with me. No, I didn't want a picture with you. I don't even know who you are, sir. But thank you. <laughs> it really is hilarious. It's performance art. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Do you know how hard that is to do? It, it's, I would, because he's had other people do them, and I said I wanted to do one and like tag him in it, but I just, I get too embarrassed. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Like, you've been out with him, though. Like, he really is like that. Like, yeah. he's unafraid of looking bad in front of people. Yeah. He doesn't mind making a fool of himself. Like, that's what makes him so funny, is it's, his ability to do that. He's a, a really misunderstood artist. And I always tell people that I go, well, one of the things that, when I realized he was very different was the day the laughter died. Mm. 
This guy put out in the prime of his career. You have to understand what it's like, first of all, for someone to go from being a comic and hustling and trying to make it like everybody else to all of a sudden you're on Rodney Dangerfield's HBO's show, which blew him up, to all of a sudden he gets his one hour HBO special, which blew him up, and then this guy's selling out Madison Square Garden and decides at the same time to stop in at Dangerfield's unannounced and record an album with no material. Uh, first of all, a double album, and not only to record an album, to ruin their nights. Yes. He walked in there with zero prepared material and just fucking let himself talk. Didn't even try. No, it was great. Didn't even try and was having a great time the entire time. Yeah, Rick Rubin produced those, yeah. I think, and it's me and Florentine became obsessed with those early on, and it was just so many great like the couple that heckles him yeah like he's talking you're about as funny as a glass of milk yeah you're funny as a bottle of milk and the great part of that was dice was talking about like spilling milk like it's somebody's load and the guy was so mad he took what dice had just said and tried to like he was so flustered he was here as funny as a bottle of milk and him and his wife walked out and, they oh, had was no great. idea there was going to be a recording there was maybe 20 people in the audience. <laughs> you have to understand, like, Dangerfields back then, particularly like a Sunday or a Monday night, there's nobody there. I did shows there in Dangerfields. You remember Bobby, the big door guy? I, I remember Bobby because Otto used to talk about him, but I, he was gone by the time I started working there. Well, I got there. It was like, I think I had maybe a 9.30 spot or something like that, and I got there at 9 o'clock, and everyone was sitting at the bar. And I'm like, what's going on? They're like, there's no audience. I go, there's no audience at all? No, no one. And then at that moment, a couple walked up and uh, they said, uh, oh, can we get tickets to the show? And they said, sure. And so they, they got them and Bobby went and sat them down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dangerfields. They sat down yeah. and it was just them. Yep. And we all did a show for two fucking people. Like five comics did a show for two people. Yeah, I've done that before too. Where they, they there was even times they would have you go up there, and if nobody was in the in the place, they wouldn't let you leave until your spot was over for that exact reason. Right. If somebody came in, yep. I've been on there with two people before. Um, Weird, right? You would think New York City, everything's packed. Yeah, like people that don't live in New York. There's so many different things to do. So the point is, Dice chose those days yeah. to go up. Like a Sunday and a Monday, I think it was, where he goes up and records this fucking yeah. double album, and it's insanity. And it's a really great comedy album. Like, it, it's it's great to watch this guy just working through material, to watch where he goes. He's unafraid of, of hitting and missing. Like, it, it was really, it's one of my favorite things anybody has ever done. Is Dave, Dave, part two is great, too. Have you ever heard part two? What's part two? Dave Laughter Died, part two. He, he would, did another one? He did another one. Where? Um, Dangerfields. I, ble I believe it was Dangerfields. He went in there again and did it. Um, and I must have forgot about that. It might have been a single album. Um, I don't remember, but that was just as ridiculous as the first one. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous and hilarious. But it's amazing that he did, he had the confidence to do that. Yeah. This is what you have to understand. Like When you're just starting to make it, you're so fixated on making sure that it doesn't f fall apart. It was ho so hard to attain. And then all of a sudden you're you've made it and you want to just do the best show every time and instead his instinct is to just do something completely ridiculous yeah you, you you're terrified of it, it being taken away yeah like a little bit of success i'm like what, what am i going to do that's going to fuck this up where they're going to realize i don't deserve this success and take it right and he just didn't care like he just was this is what he wanted to do and this is what he went and did just so nutty 
What a fucking nutty move. He's very underrated. Like, because people dismissed him because of a lot of the language and the jokes, but mm -hmm. he is very underrated with his commitment to doing something different. Like, that album was different for yeah. a comic to do. This shit he does on Instagram, it's different. It's, yeah. No one else is doing that. And to see, the thing is, like, the thing that people criticized him for was, first of all, there was one thing, and that was that his comedy was, it wasn't, I don't think, something you can criticize. But that it was his comedy was different because everybody knew the jokes and they wanted to hear them. Yeah. It's the only time ever. What's in the bowl, bitch? Yeah. Oh, the whole audience is doing it with him. Like they know the punchline and they're so pumped when he goes, hickory, dickory, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other comedy like that. No. <clears throat> it no. literally didn't exist before that. That kind of comedy where the audience wants to repeat it with you like a song. Yeah, there's bits people like, but no, like, like he like had like that. a rock star fucking, like, it's like welcome to the jungle yeah. effect on people, yeah. which the, I can't think of any other stand-up that's ever had that. Never. So the guy goes from that to doing this. Yeah. Voluntarily. But he can still do those shows. He still packs them in. Yeah. If he wants to do a live show, he can pack them in. That's not what it is. It's like, this bizarre guy likes to wear gigantic grandma glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And, and giant hoodies. And make, and make people super uncomfortable. Yeah. And just act weird. It's the funny part of Dice to me, besides the, the jokes, is the fact that like when you're with him, like he likes wearing giant uh, comfy hoodies and like he likes, he always gets a sore throat and he's got to put a little honey in it, you know, and he's like my aunt. Like people have no idea. <laughs> I used to go on the road, I'd be like, ah, it's going to be nothing but pussy. And then we're in the hotel, and he's like, oh, my throat's bothering me. And he would have Kenny put the fucking pillow over his ass and straddle him on the bed and massage him. And I had to just sit there and watch him get a back rub. I was hoping we'd go out and get laid. But he would always put the fucking the pillow over his ass so there was no contact. Uh, and have hilarious. Yeah, have club soda Kenny or Happy Face massage him. But uh, I've said this before, too. I love him. Like, he really, he changed my life. And I was just, you know, again, 1997, he, he took me on the road and it just, it built my confidence and uh, it did, it did so much for me at that part of my career. So I love Andrew. Like he changed everything for me. I love him too. When I was, when I used to talk to him at the comic store, a part of my brain was always like, I can't even believe I'm really talking to Dice Clay. This is so strange. Because yeah. out of those guys from that day, that era, the only guys that are really left are like Dom Herrera, of course, who yep. I was always friends with, but uh, Kennison was gone. Did you know him? Nope, never met him. Saw him live a couple of times. Yeah. Um, saw Hicks live a couple of times. Never really met him. Said hi to him when I was an open micer, but never met, you know, never had a conversation with him. But having to see Kinnison live, and unfortunately I saw Kinnison live when it had already kind of fall apart. Right. Like Kinnison, if you go to like 86, I think Kinnison's like one of the greatest comics of all time, yeah. if not number one. He was so original, so dynamic, so powerful. That HBO special, what is it, Have You Seen Me Lately? Is that what it was? I don't remember the name of it. It's not the Dangerfield one. You mean the one, right, the his H hour? There's, there's the, the album that was, uh, that was released. It was called Louder Than Hell. That's really hard to get. Um, and then there was the HBO special, which I think it was Have You Seen Me Lately? Like it was like... A play on the carton of milk with a missing kid thing. Oh, one okay. of those things. Um, that one's amazing. That one's amazing. I and then a year later, unfortunately, you got to think it took so many years to develop that material. Yeah. And then a year later, he's touring with new material, and it's not. He's not developing it in a club right. like he developed all the other stuff. He's developing in front of large audiences that came to see him. So it becomes caricaturish. 
comes very cartoonish. Yeah. Almost like someone's got, doing an impression of what Sam Kinison would talk about. Yeah, because you, you don't have time to develop it. All of a sudden, yeah. there's that pressure to keep it going. Mm-hmm. I saw him, I met him once, but we never, we had to talk for like five minutes. It was at an open mic at Rascals in New Jersey. And uh, they brought him out to talk to some of the newer comics. Um, and I saw, I saw him live that night and I saw him live another night and like you didn't know what you were going to get like one night He was on fire and I mean he was just he fucking blew the roof off and then the next time uh, He was kind of hung over and you know kind of slug it, you know Yeah, well, that's what you're gonna get with a guy like that. You know? Yeah, I wish I would have known him though Like I it's such a shame. He died when he did I'm glad I got to see him But he was a guy I never got to know and I wish I'd I never met Bill Hicks I never met never saw live. Yeah, it would have been nice to uh, met him I mean, uh, like I said, I, I got to see him live. I think I saw him three times. I definitely saw him twice because I saw him once when I worked at this place. I worked at Great Woods, and he came out there to perform, and I watched him there once. And then the other, and that was I, was I was 19, and then and the other time I watched him, I was on a date. So I took a date with me, and I think I was 20 or 21. Did she like him? No. Yeah. No. It wasn't a good show. It was weird. It was like the show that we went to was at like some casino place in like New Hampshire or something like that. I think things fell off quick with him in terms of the quality of right. his comedy. Like like I say, I when he was at his best, he's one of my all-time favorites. I think the guy was a monster. But if you go and listen to some of the stuff that he released before he died, it was really bad. He it got- was just flat. Wasn't it kind of like it was when he started wearing like the hat, like a different hat sideways and mm-hmm. kind of like a satin jacket? He became like a rock and roll a star. A rock and roll star, yep. But I think it was just being tired. That's what I think. I think it was the partying. So if you're looking at a guy that's already out of shape, he's already overweight, and now he's doing a lot of blow. So he's just getting wrecked every night and he's drinking every night. So every day, his already besieged body yeah is exhausted with chemicals and then on top of that he's got this adoring fan base that'll come to see him no matter what and he's hanging out with bon jovi and rock stars and motley yeah. crew and he's the man like you're not gonna go i gotta get back to my roots and get to the comedy store at 11 p.m and work out this right. new joke that i'm working on it's like you're you're already you're already there because you're living the life that you fought to get. Like once yeah. you get to a place, it's kind of hard to go. All right, now I got to go back into the. Yeah. I, I almost said into the gym again, but you know, I, I have to go back and start this shit again. You want to just enjoy what you got. There wasn't really a whole crop of people that got really famous and then continued to tour and get better like there are now. I think back then guys got like an HBO special and maybe they would get a second. And the only exception to that would be like George Carlin. Like George Carlin was right. always putting out stuff. But m- for most of them, it was like the first one's really good, and that's the one they break out with, and the ones afterwards drop off. But the best example of that, in my opinion, is Kinnison. Was that his hour, that's or Danger was that Dangerfield? Yeah. That's back when he wore a tie, remember? Yeah. Oh, my God, he was good. Yeah, that was such a... Give me a little volume, Jamie. Great first appearance. Oh, he was so good. I'm going around the country. I'm trying to get as many people as I can not to get married I promise never to get married i've been married and i'm just trying to help <laughs> jimmy here's never been married you never been married <laughs> what's your name michael well michael if you ever think about getting married if you ever think you've met the right woman you want to settle down change your life you do me a favor mike remember this face 
get married, Mike, that's going to be your fucking face every day. <laughs> it's the face of every married man. And the, the fact that that guy was a preacher. Yeah, I go back and find some of his old stuff. I've listened to his old, there's like a little bit of his old sermons on if you look. Yeah. And you could hear like he legitimately was good at it. And like, that's why he's such a good talker. Like you watch him talk, just calm. I was just noticing how calm he is when Mm -hmm. he's talking, no overselling. And then he's screaming. He could go from zero to a hundred immediately. He was amazing. But then he got way fatter. Yeah. He was drinking and partying all the time. And the the later material, just look how much fatter he got. I mean, he's got huge. I don't know how guys do it. Like, I see guys that drink now. I don't know how the fuck guys function. Well, they don't. That's getting the fucked thing. up. I mean, when he was that big, like that Kinnison, that Kinnison was just not good on stage. And if you go and yeah. listen to those, like, that's what, like, t- that picture's perfect. Yeah. Well, see that? How tired he looks there? Yeah. He's big and fat and tired, and he's covered in chains and crazy rock and roll garb with a bandana The bandana, on. yep. The whole thing's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a ridiculous look. It's ridiculous to be that fat. Like, the whole thing's ridiculous. Like, you've gone off the rails, sir. You're into the woods. As a comic, I find that I never want to think, like, I never want to convince myself that I'm fucking cool or that I'm (laughs) sexy. Like, I, I, you know what I mean? That to me is the death knell for comedians. When you start to think that an open vest on stage is a great idea, Uh. you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Like, stop thinking you're sexy. Like, that to me is, not that I've ever been tempted to think that, but you know what I mean? Like, it's always like remember who you are as a person. Don't yeah. start ever thinking because you have fans that you're this larger than life guy. You know, it's just you got to stay grounded or you're going to really fall into kind of that type of a trap. Well, I t- it's also like for a woman. I mean, how many women dress sexy on stage and are really well? Natasha Leggero pulls it off. And how many other women? Dress like hot on stage and do stand up. Most of them, they kind of like Whitney will dress down. Yeah. You know, most of them dress down. They wear like slacks and a jacket and a shirt or something like that or something comfortable. Yeah. They're not trying to look hot. Yeah. I find that like, when I see good looking people on stage, if I think someone is natural, like that's how that person dresses. But like you said, if it feels genuine, if it yeah. doesn't feel genuine, if I feel like someone is trying to sexy it up on stage, Male yeah. or female, I don't like it. Like, I just, no. it's a different emotion for me. And maybe if I had any sex appeal, I would do it. Yeah, but, but I it's don't. a different emotion. It, it you get something different than you're getting funny. Yeah. So they, they, you're not getting funny out of that. You're getting something different. And now you have to, you can, might add funny to it, but it might be taking away from funny with this like extra effort that you've put into looking hot. Yeah. Like, and, and I may, again, I can only look at my own self image and it's like I've never thought of myself that way so it's never been tempting for me so maybe if it was tempting or if I had like a half a fuck ability I might like want to do that but it's never been how I saw myself so it's never been tempting to even think that way well it used to be also that a lot of people would dress that way because what they were really trying to do is get a sitcom that was the big yeah. thing, right? Like there was, it was like if you dress sexy on stage or you dress hot or attractive on stage it was what you were trying to do is they're trying to like convey your comedy success into the big prize yeah which is you could be Seinfeld or yeah. you could be Roseanne or you know, that was that was our thing when we were coming up like when a guy like when I remember when Greg Giraldo got his show everybody's like wow Greg's got his own show it's like that that was the ultimate brass ring and yeah 
you know, and, and also we all knew that only a certain percentage of those actually lasted and, you know, stayed on the air a few years. Most yeah. of them, they kind of went away quick and then it became a problem because then there's a stink on you of failure. So you really had this like one shot as a rookie. Yeah. And to get, and so everybody was like trying to like put together almost an audition tape. Seven minute set that told a story. Yes. Yeah, my story was never TV friendly. It <laughs> blinks a lot and he likes prostitutes. That was never like, <laughs> see how much my blinking has cost me in this business? <laughs> how many fucking auditions I've gone on? I'm like, why didn't I get that? It was good. Then I realized, oh, it's just, I'm uncomfortable to look at. But that's what I was saying earlier. So I don't think we should think of uh, our business as being connected to show business anymore. It's just, it's such a different thing. Yeah. Especially with what you and I do, because we mostly just talk, yeah. right? So you and I mostly just talk on podcasts or on radio shows. So we've always done. It's like our thing is so different than the thing of this manufactured image that you're putting in television shows and hi the, the kind of people you're t hired for entertainment news and all that kind of shit like these this is a different kind of business that they're in than us yeah it, it's something like i've always kind of felt like not i don't mean an outsider in some dark way i've just felt like that's not the path for me yeah, me neither I, at one point i would have loved to have done it but i they, they just there was never any desire uh, from them i felt always felt rejected by it very very early on so you kind of like realize that's never going to be yeah. thank god for radio like, thank God for fucking Dice and for Opie and Anthony. Like, yeah. that's obviously that's what my career has been made on, was those things, and ne none of them were, the, quote-unquote, the business or television. I did all that stuff, though. I did the business stuff. I did television. Yep. I did sitcoms. I did. I re literally have done most things. I started off doing a sitcom. I did a sitcom. I went to a game show. I was on a TV game show. I went to sports commentary. I did, I did the commentary for the UFC. I've, I've done all these things. But the, the UFC is the most freeing because yeah. it's really just something that I love and I just get to describe it and talk about it. But the other ones, like, they're just jobs. Like, a, even, a, even a sitcom, as fun as it is, it's amazing to be able to work with cool and talented people. But you're working for a network. You're working for the production company. You're engaged in some weird politics to make sure you get favorable placings in the lineup on Tuesday night or Thursday yeah. night, hopefully Thursday, maybe after Seinfeld if you're lucky. Like th There was like this weird aspect to, to creating these shows. You're dealing with executives that would give you notes that made no sense. Like They have creative input and they're not particularly creative. It's a job, yeah, and it's different than what we do. In that we we, we do, we're we're just so whether it's do your stand up or through podcasts, you're so free. You could kind of talk about anything. Imagine if there was no show, like Opie and Anthony, and you came to them and you said, I, "I have this thing I want to talk about. It's called Monster Rain. Yeah, I'd like you guys to fund it." Uh, we're going to talk about uh, prostitutes. I'm going to talk about the times I blew my friends. Yeah. And they, they're like, get the fuck out of here. They'd say, what There's is no Monster Rain? I'd say, no, no, no. The advertisers are going to love it. We were seven and we traded sucks. <laughs> that's, the hard, that's a hard sell on television. <laughs> Trading sucks. Can you imagine being in the room with those people <laughs> and them thinking there's any hope of this guy making it in show business? Yeah. I mean, the way... Thank God for these ways around. Like, you know, again, yeah. radio embraced doing what you want to do and talking. Slow news days were the thing. That's where your personal life comes out. When mm. you have a four or five hour radio show and it's a slow news day and there's nothing to hit on, everyone just starts spilling their guts yeah. because you have to talk. And that's where a lot of that stuff came out, slow news days. Well, it's also we got very fortunate in the timeline in which we came along, right? Because what happened was you got guys like Don Imus 
who kind of started it all, right? He t- starts just commentary and talking shit yep. on the radio, and he's a wild man and a bad boy. And then Howard Stern takes it to a completely different level. And then Howard Stern takes over radio all over the country. And then Opie and Anthony comes along. And Opie and Anthony is the next stage because they have a different perspective on how to do a show. Yep. It's a hang. Yeah. So you go in there and with us, especially with comics, we would just go in there and hang. Yeah. And that was all it was. You'd go in there and hang out in the studio and everybody was cool and it was fun. Yeah. And that led the way to podcasts because they went to XM. So then they go to XM. Now you can swear. Yeah. So now we're doing ONA with swearing. And we're, you know, you could tell crazy stories. And then that goes into podcasting. It's like we came along as all these doors were opening, like we hit every green light. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't get into, I mean, I wish I had one, obviously now I do, I look back on it, but my contract doesn't allow for it. It may have early on before they knew what podcasting, before the company knew what podcasting would be. But, uh, you know, for the last X amount of years, I haven't been allowed to do my own. But you're still doing the same thing. Yeah, still talking. It's still the same thing. You're just doing it for a different company. You're doing it for serious. But if it's the same thing as doing a podcast, you're doing it just like ONA did it when they went to serious or like anybody else would if you're if you're just doing a show that you're putting together yourself. Yeah, just talking. I mean, look, I I do the UFC podcast with Matt. Like even that I love. Like we're talking specifically about one thing. Yeah. But it's how much fun I get to hang out with Matt Sarah, who's fucking hilarious he's so funny and talk to people i like like you know what i mean like it's it's just it's a great life like when i look at it like i'm like i get to do exactly what i want to do it's everything i've always wanted which was just to not have a schedule that i resented yeah and also again this is not that other business we talk about the business is so phony the business is full of shit yeah like like, that's a different business i don't think we're in that business anymore there's a few of us that still act and and do stuff but if you look at the vast majority of comics today and like what business are they engaging in they're doing engaging the business of live shows and podcasts yeah primarily i have no desire to act like that that's another thing too people be like they they, they see us on youtube and like these situations are set up and it's like have you ever seen me act like do you really think i could pull that off I stink at it. Like, I don't enjoy acting unless it's something I really like. And uh, I'm so happy I don't have to worry about getting on TV again. I will probably never get another acting gig on TV, and that's fine. I don't really want to do it. It's the time involved in doing something like this. You can't do everything. You know, I would love to do everything. If I had multiple different lives that I could live simultaneously, I'd have a ton of different careers because I'm fascinated by a lot of different things. But you don't have that much time in the world. Right. And if you want to act, acting is like 16-hour days, yeah. multiple days in a row. And if you enjoy that, that's great. Um, I, don't, I don't enjoy that process. And it's hard. It's, I, tell you, I think it's harder than stand-up for me, obviously, because you can't address when it's not going well. Like, if I'm having a shit set, right, right, I, I can right, immediately right. address it and let them know. And if, it's, if, it's, if I think it's their fault, like, we're all going to have a rotten night, um, I'll make it miserable. But in an acting scene, it's like you just have to redo it or you can't break it and go, this fucking sucks. These jokes are yeah. not good. What do we, this is poor writing. You have to just kind of muscle through it and smile. And I just, I've never been good at that. And it's not because I don't, I have so much integrity. I'm just not good at it. Like, I just, I wish I was better at it. It's also, you'd be better at it if you were really interested in it. Maybe, yeah. Um, I'm just too self-conscious. Like, I'm self-conscious around my friends. I'm always, it's the thing about my, I hate the most, always self-conscious, and I don't know why, mm. uh, but when I act, it comes out. Like, it's just, it's obvious. You know, you can't hide that on camera. Uh, yeah. Boy, if, imagine if you, like, put all your fucking eggs in the sitcom basket. 
I tried at one point, you know, early on, I was like, uh, like trying to be like, uh, try to get the seven minutes that I thought they would want. Everybody wants the big deal yeah. in Montreal. Montreal rejected me for a decade. And when I finally got up there, no one gave a fuck. Like, you know, the business, it, yeah. it has never been the path I thought I was going to take. Oh. Ever. They've never wanted me, and I accept that. It's just very bizarre that something so beloved, like an American institution, which was the, you know, the three-camera sitcom. Yeah. Multi-camera sitcom with in front of a live audience. It doesn't exist anymore. I think it's Miss Pat only. I don't think anybody, she's yeah. the only one that I know of that's doing, I'm sure there's probably a couple other that I'm just not aware of, but she's the only one in terms of comics that are starring in the right. sitcom that I'm aware of. It used to be, there was a ton of them. And I would have thought that as the more entertainment venues opened up, meaning more networks, like when we were kids, when we were first uh, starting out in show business, there was only Fox, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yes. Right? That was it. That was it. And then cable shows. So then it became MTV and a bunch of different things came along and like you could be on remote control and MTV like some people were, or you could be on this show or that show. It's like, then it started to broaden. I would have never thought that as it continues to go as wide as it is today, that sitcoms will all but vanish. Yeah. Never would have. I guess because the idea, like, again, anytime these people touch things, anytime the business becomes too involved in something, they, they neuter it and they make it, un it's just not funny anymore. They have laugh tracks, so it did, the writing didn't have to be that good. Right. You know, the, the laugh tracks are what really killed it. Like, because the writing could be weak, but the laugh was the same, so the writing didn't have to be good. Whereas live TV, if it wasn't good, you knew it wasn't good. Yeah, there's, so, there's shows that they do where you can uh, watch clips online that are without the laugh track yeah before the laugh track was added yep. to it and it's horrendous it's abysmal even mash which i loved growing up i hated the laugh track i'm like right. they added a laugh track whether in vietnam do you know what uh, yeah, uh, korea do you know oh, what korea. do you know what makes the only laugh track i've ever liked is do you ever watch steve coogan is hilarious and uh, the, he did uh, i'm alan partridge it's a british uh show where he played a radio guy and it's a really funny show and his laugh track for some reason didn't bother me like it, huh. it worked as a device for some reason but other than that I've always hated them well you can do an organic laugh track you know about those no so you what you basically film a show without a laugh track and then you play the show to a live audience and record their laughter okay yeah that's then the laughs are at least honest yeah I know that they, there's shows that have done it that way what is that for you think just to cut actually that might actually work well, because you have to do it that way if you're doing like a single camera show or the same joke in front of the audience five times. i remember we did lucky louie and we'd have to reshoot something and louie would be like you got anything you got anything like because there's a comic he hated doing the same joke right. in front of the audience right. twice right. yeah so you'd, you'd try to come up with something or he would just improv something crazy and like it was a lot of fun but it was it was a challenge to try not to do the same joke if you could avoid it that was one of the fun things they did on news radio we would do a take and then um, they would take a break and the writers would convey and then the warm-up guy would talk to the crowd and then the writers would come up with another line. Yeah. And then we'd bang it out right there and try another line and then do it like three or four different takes. And the, the audience started to get to ready for the different joke yeah. at the end. And there was like three or four different ones and they'd pick one. But it was like the pressure of that moment was what created some of the best ideas for because whatever reason. You feel dishonest doing the same joke twice. Like yeah. there's something about it where you feel like you're you're like, hey, we all know I'm lying right now. It's it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel right, and the crowd is much more appreciative when they know you're giving them something different. Yes. Um. But yeah, I feel terrible doing the same. Like some guys when, when they do a stand-up special, like I've never done a, uh, a a retake of a joke. 
And again, not that I don't think any of them needed it, but it's just I, I'm too embarrassed to do the same joke twice right. to the audience. I would rather, like, I dropped my closing joke on a special because I fucking tripped on it like an idiot, and I just I couldn't go back and redo it. I'm like, I just have to close with something else. Mm. It's just too humiliating. Yeah. Well, the sitcom thing is also, it's, it's not really stand-up. It's very different, right? Yeah. So you're just trying to interact with these people the best way possible to get the story through and get the laughs. And the audience is aware of that. So they're in on this process that they normally never get to see. Whereas stand-up, you always see where the stand-up's on stage and you know they're telling the joke and the audience is laughing. But with a sitcom, you never get to see how the sausage is made. Right, so these are the people in the audience. Or right, the cameras are moving around. So it's an experience on top of just you're watching the show, but you're there live. You're watching it be created. So you're also watching someone fumble through their lines and start laughing. Like that would happen, or we would crack. Yeah. Like when I did, I used to do scenes with Andy Dick, and I was always he's so funny. I, I would always break. I would always, we'd be in the middle of the fucking thing, and it would like take two, and I. would like pinch myself or slap myself or <laughs> do something to try to be more serious and get through it. But there's that too that the audience is seeing. So if they see you retake a, a, a scene, but at least you're adding new lines. So now it doesn't feel like they're burdened by seeing the same thing over again. Now it's like, oh, wow, this is how they do it. So they just sometimes they just come up with new stuff on the fly. It's also weird when I don't look at the audience. Like as a stand-up, you want to just look at the crowd. Right. But if we were shooting something on the side stage and the crowd would just watch it on a monitor, or even if I do Gutfeld on Fox, and I'm usually sitting next to Greg where I see the audience, but once in a while if I sit in the seat where I, the, the audience is here, it's so hard to just live in this environment without just turning and looking at the the crowd i hate yeah. not seeing the crowd it's and with other guys it doesn't bother but it drives me crazy to not be looking directly at the audience yeah it's an extra level of fake right because you know it's fake because you're not really in an office you know it's fake because there's no wall you know it's fake because there's a whole audience of people and you're trying to act normal yeah so you're trying to act normal in a in an environment where everyone knows it's fake yeah you're trying to make it real but at least if you're on a single camera show you know, if you're doing something like Modern Family or something like that, you get a single camera and like, it's just like you're filming a movie. Like there's no audience, so you have to appease. So you can be real in moments and you're not worried about not looking at the crowd that's laughing at you. Right, and if you have to redo it, it doesn't matter right. because it's not a bunch of people who you need a reaction from. Waiting. Waiting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, that whole world, I just, it became so exhausted trying to be in it and I'm so happy that I don't have to exist in it. And again, it has nothing to do with me thinking I'm too good for it. It's just, I wasn't good in it. Like, yeah. it's not where I'm comfortable. I don't feel funny there. I don't feel welcome there. Weren't you on Lucky Louie though? That's what I was saying. That's that was the ones fun, that, though, that right? was a great. It's one of my favorite things I ever did. But again, it's Louis writing. Right, right. So I mean, the jokes were pretty fucking rough, and you know he would go really hard. And uh, the crowd, they had never seen any of the episodes. Like the whole thing was shot before any of them aired. Mm. So there was no week to week growth right. with familiarity. Uh, we had to shoot all. We shot thirteen actually, and then they just aired. Um, so the crowd, we were resetting with each crowd. They had no idea who we were, no idea what the characters were, but it's one of the most fun things I ever did. Loved Lucky Louie. Yeah, and then he goes from that and does his own show. A massive, yeah, which was a huge. Yeah, I mean, it just it just worked. I, HBO, yeah. I thought fucked up by not picking that up for a second season. They allowed a few critics. 
even though it had a lot of viewers, they allowed a few critics to shit on it enough to uh, to get it canceled. You think that's what happened? I know it's what happened. Yeah, Louis really? had talked about it. Yeah, because it was actually week to week going up in viewers. It was just I thought HBO made a mistake by not at least giving it season two. Isn't that interesting that they would allow the opinions of people who are, are they're professional critics? Yeah, they're professional like shitters on things. Yeah. Well, they were also, they had shows like Sopranos and Six Feet Under and right. the fucking, they, they were built on critical acclaim and, right. and, and, and things that people love, Sex and the City, all this stuff right. where, you know, got awards and like HBO was like the first ones getting awards. So when something, when the critics were going, we don't like this, I think immediately they're like, all right, yeah, it's not worth doing. Mm. But I, yeah, that was kind of always heartbreaking. But I always think it's because I was attached to it. Like I really am a fucking black spot on the lung. Like anything uh, like that, it's like it's it's going to go away. I don't think it's that. I think it was Louis's first time at one of those things and he didn't have the kind of control that he had when he went over and did Louis. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. He, the writing though, like they didn't really I'm sure they fucked with him where I didn't see it. But we would run through the rehearsals um and it always seemed to pretty much we would kind of shoot what I thought we were going to shoot. Um, I just, the critics, there was one critic who like weeks into the series went after it. And Louis always thought like that was one of the things that sunk us. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, but it was, that was one of the ones I look back on and go, fuck, I wish that had been good for a season two. Yeah. It's so hard to make things now. I mean, how many, how many comedy shows like that are with comics are on the air now? Yeah. I mean, I don't watch any of them anyway. Like I don't watch stand up. I don't watch and it, it, it probably should because I interview people and I'm just such a fucking idiot. Like, I don't watch things people. Do you watch specials? Like, I can't watch somebody's special. Even if I love them, I can't watch it. I like watching people live. I do like watching people in the yeah. club. I do that. Um, I very rarely sit down and watch a special. If one of my friends puts something out and he asks me to watch something, I'll watch something. But mm, most of the time, I like, I like seeing comedy. Well, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I get to see some of the best comics yeah. live on the spot. So... Oh, I just I just like doing that. Yeah, I get even if I'm walking through and I see Colin on stage, I'll watch or a tell. Like at mm -hmm. the cellar, you see such great comedians. Yeah, but the idea of actually just watching somebody, I just I guess because I'm also like everybody else, clip based. It's all fucking a minute or two minutes, and I, mm -hmm. I run out of patience with something. I also don't want to see things I wish I would have thought of. Oh yeah, that's true too. And when you're entertaining yourself, what do you entertain yourself with? Is it movies? Like, what do you? We go through, I watch a lot of TV with Nikki, so it's like, we're, just, we're going through a Sopranos watch through now. Uh, Rewatching re Sopranos, oh, yeah. That's a good move. It's, yeah, it's I just, probably forgot most of it. I did forget most of it. Um, and we interviewed, who did I interview recently? It was, uh, it was Robert Eiler and, uh, and, and, and Jamie Lynn Siegler. They're doing a podcast together. So I was like, interviewing them, I'm like, fuck, I forgot how great this show was. Let's just mm. start it over and watch it. But it's most of the shit people do. I'm watching people climb buildings, free climbers, like these fucking <laughs> maniacs that climb buildings. I'm afraid of heights. You ever watch those guys? Yeah, I, it just freaks me out. Elaine Robert, I think his name. He's a French, the French Spider-Man who kind of started all that shit. Free climbing with no equipment. A building. Uh, a building. Skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. Hundred stories. Horrifying. They always have Terrifying. these helmet cams on. Terrifying. It really bothers me. Yeah, that drives me nuts. I can't imagine why you would do that. Or I'll watch bee videos, like like hornets' nests. I go what, on, if, what is it like when it gets up there and the wind starts blowing? Horrible. I'm sure it's fucking terrible, but I can't get through the videos. Like, I, I have to stop wind, watching. I bet that wind can get under your stomach. Dude, he just put one up where he showed himself uh, on a building fighting the wind. Oh, my God. Um, and he's holding on, and you can see. And there was also where one. Where is that? 
Where is that? I'll put that up. If you go to Elaine Robert, A L A I N, I think on Instagram, his Instagram showed it, uh, where he's like, he's very close to the top of the building, and you can see the wind. Oh my God. Um, do you see it? I'm just laughing at his reaction. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, are you afraid of heights? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. It terrified. Yeah. I'm These... afraid of also doing something stupid like this. That's what I'm afraid of. Because I think my brain is the kind of brain that'd be like, I think I can climb that. You know, like, and that a, a person who gets good at climbing would want to climb a building like that. Yeah. Like, I could see myself in another life being that stupid. There's also, oh, yeah, there is. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fighting against the windstorm, it says. Yeah. Oh, you, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, doesn't that look helpless? Oh, my God. And listen to the wind. Oh, fuck, I know. man. <laughs> oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, Jeez. it's hard to watch. All of his videos are like that. You see how close he is to the top? That gets me, dude. That yeah. makes my fucking hands sweat. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can't get through these videos usually. Oh, my God. He's, get down. Get down. <laughs> yeah. Don't just stand up there when you get to the top. Imagine the wind caught dude, him. I think there's one he did where he gets close to the rooftop, and then he can't get over it. Like the last... The last, the, the tip top of it, he can't get over. So he has to climb back down the building. No, 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 he doesn't. Did you see the Burj, uh, the, the Burj Khalifa one on, on, on oh. the, the top left? Where he's uh, he's standing on top of oh the... Oh, my I, God. Oh, my God. What is he doing? What are you doing up there, buddy? Get yeah. down. Get down. Yeah. Hey, Habibi, come to Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means either. Go, scroll down a little bit. There was some workout that he was doing where he's hanging. Clip I think that's that. his house. Let me see what that is. What is he doing here? Oh, wow, dude. So he's got like freak control of his body. That's yeah. insane. He's hanging on with like one finger. He's got like finger holes. Yeah, doing He's doing a one finger pull up. Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah. Terrifying. It says for 50 years. It says, soon there will be 50 years that I've been climbing free solo. Some people say that it's crazy as far as I'm concerned. I've been living my dreams all along and potentially assuming the potential outcome. A, you know, the potential outcome. It's, Imagine just thinking about it that way. The potential outcome of you falling to your death. I hate when he turns around. Sometimes he turns right around there. and looks down. Yeah, I hate Jesus. that. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Stop. Get it off the screen. It's hard. It's hard to look at. Yeah, but that's what I do. I watch guys like that, and there's a lot of guys that are following in his footsteps now. But it's those type of things. It's a lot of it's the helmet cam. Didn't some guy fall recently? He was doing parkour on doing like backflips on the top of a building, and he fell. Yes, and there's also footage of another guy falling. Um, I think he was a Chinese climber, and he was on the 60th floor. And it's, you don't see them splat, but you see him, he had the camera set up, and he's hanging on the top. Yeah. And he's trying to climb. Yeah, like and he it, can't make it up. He can't make it up, and he just lets go. And they said he was on like the 60th floor. But that's the feeling that, that looks so helpless, is hanging on to the top and trying to get your feet going. And that's exactly how it happens. Yeah, but you do, like, you don't skydive or any of that stuff? No. Oh, yeah. I, I hate heights. Hate no. them. No, no, no. I have no desire. Yeah, no, I mean that. I wish I wasn't afraid of it though. Brian you Redband's could... dad uh, was uh, he worked in this office, and uh, this lady was always trying to get him to skydive with him. 
And then one day he goes in the office and she's not there. No parachute didn't open up. Oh, wow. Yeah, good for him not going. Yeah. Good for him saying no. I think I fucked that story up. No, I mean, it's... Is that, that right? Was it the a, a lady that he worked with? Like to go a lot, asked to go. Yeah, I think that's That's it, yeah. Yeah, it terrifies me. Like, I don't, even flying, when I was coming here... Um, I'm such a fucking idiot. I check the weather reports to see how bumpy the flight might be. I'm really annoying. Like I just, I'm, it's, and they said high winds and I'm like, it's going to be a bad flight. And for two days I'm panicking before about the fucking wind. Um, so yeah, it, the height <sighs> thing is really, it's a paralyzing fear. Yeah. Because you know that if you make a mistake, you'll die. And these people fight that fear and climb. Like Alex Honnold is one of the oddest guys I think I've ever met because he's, he does that all the time in these mountains. He's crazy you know like yeah like where the angle is going backwards and he's got to climb a thousand feet while just kind of hanging on with his feet and toes does he use equipment or is he free no. free climb no he free solos that's a, the film's called free solo that do documentary on him yeah he climbed like that three thousand foot one i think i saw some of that yeah he's climbed a lot of them all over the world but it's just the the act of doing that the act of just being involved in risking your life and just climbing all the time. It's just, did you ever watch The Alpinist? No. That documentary? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It's about this kid who was like the goat of these guys. And it got to the point where, for him, where just regular free solo climbing on mountains wasn't scary enough. So he starts ice climbing. So what he's doing is climbing up the side of like icicles hanging off the side of a mountain. And he's doing it with an ice axe. So he's pulling himself up with ice axes because yeah. like regular climbing doesn't freak him out enough. Now he's got an ice axe his way up. The, I mean, so this ice is hanging off the mountain. Okay. So you have this yeah. cliff face right here and then you have all this space and then you have the ice thousands of feet hanging down uh, above the, the ground. And he's in, digging into this ice and hoping it hangs on there while he's climbing his way. You gotta see it. You wanna freak out? Look at this. This guy was out of his fucking mind. It is crazy what people have to do to feel like they're like they're that upping stuff. the last time. Like that stuff. That's what he would climb. Did you see the um, the icicles? Wherever you found it. Yeah. I think it was early in the beginning where they showed the icicles. But this guy would make his way with just Google his name. I, there's, I know I, there's really I, good. Of course, I played the trailer of the movie. It doesn't show any of this stuff you're talking this about. This is the trailer, right? Yeah. Is he dead yeah. or alive? He's, He's alive. He died. He, oh, died. He, did? he died doing that he actual did. thing. Yeah, he got caught in an avalanche. Jesus. Oh, but he didn't fall. He just got. No, he just got. That's it. So that's oh, it right there. God. That's how you climb. That kind of shit. And you see how he just did it with the ice axes? That's how you do it. He climbed icicles. Yeah. Because like regular climbing rocks got boring. And if you talk to psychologists that really understand the human mind, there's like a there's a, a thing that these uh, they this is like the theory that some of these people that do this kind of stuff like look at that look at how insane that is they don't feel normal so it, yeah. in order to feel something they really have to do that they yeah. really have to do something that would be absolutely paralyzingly terrifying to you or me. I think that uh, I might be fucking up the phrase. Tyson talked about something about like I guess when he was doing. Drugs or medic. He said the baseline normal. I think was the term he used. It was mm. something. It was something about what it takes to get just to feel zero, like just to right. feel okay. I'm regular, and whatever. If you're addicted to something, adrenaline, whatever it is, we all have that. Right. It just with, for me, it would be 
porn or set, like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it took so long or so many different things to just get to that feeling. Like, all right, I'm starting to feel high from this. I'm starting to feel. Yeah. Like baseline normal is a good way to put that. And it's a good way to put like one of the conversations that I, we were having the other day in the green room was how fun it is to be able to talk to people that you just want to have fun with. Just like comics. You could say anything to them. Everyone's laughing. Yeah. Everyone's shitting on everybody. We're all cracking up and it's all with love. And that's our baseline normal. So if you get our the people that are used to what we have as baseline normal and you put them in some stuffy office environment, it's going to be a real problem for us. We're going to yeah. feel like super constrained and, and we're going to feel like shit. And people who see it a lot of times think you're being mean to each other. And it's like, no, you have an understanding that like this is how we... Tough it, crowd. It, it's like sparring with somebody. Yes. It's not hurting them. Right. It's you're throwing punches at a person who's also throwing them back at you. Yeah, tough crowd is a great example. Yeah. Keith Robinson. Keith Robinson's had two strokes. And I went and watched him. His special is fucking amazing. He shot a Netflix special. It's so good. And it was really great. But Keith doesn't expect an ounce of sympathy from people. Um, nobody treats him any differently. Um, the stroke is just one more thing we make fun of, and he's the same guy he's always been. And anybody on the outside would see that and go, you guys are mean to each other. But it's like if we were all of a sudden start talking to Keith differently um, and, and trying to kid glove him, he would fucking hate it. It, right. it would be uncomfortable, and he would feel like I'm not a damaged mental person. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm the right. same guy. So yeah, people see that sometimes they don't understand that we really do love each other. Like we're just being dicks because that's what makes us laugh. Yeah, and it's also the way we feed off each other. We spar, and it gets everybody better too. Like when someone shits on you with a really good zinger, and you go, "Oh, you get home, you're like, God damn, he got me a good one." Yeah, how did it fuck? I gotta, I gotta write better lines. I gotta come up with some better lines. I gotta come up with some more funny things to say about him. Let me think of what's fucked up about the way he dresses, the way he talks, and you know what annoys me about you. And then you're going out, and they're both. Smiling, yeah. everyone's smiling, everyone's laughing, and it also, but it keeps you honest too. Like, Colin is really good at that. Like, we'll be at the cellar sometimes, and I'll say something that I think makes sense, uh, and he'll go, "What are you, my fucking aunt?" And I'm like, "Oh God, he's right." <laughs> like, it was an aunt thing that I said, yeah. and you can either get annoyed at it, or you can just acknowledge, like, "Wow, that really was kind of a douchey old lady thing I just said," yeah, and just take it. Well, so, also, even if it wasn't. The fact that someone can make fun of it, yeah. you should think that's funny. That that even though that well, that's not what I meant. But that is funny. Yeah, he's annoying when he calls you out in front of people who aren't comics. He's done that <laughs> to me too. This fucking asshole in Whole Foods one time, somebody said something like the the, per, the cashier said something. I go, oh no worries, and he goes, does it annoy you that he's talking like an Australian tour guide? And it's just she laughs at me and I'm like, fucking shut up, because <laughs> it's embarrassing because. She, it, like, if he said it to another comic, I wouldn't care. Right. But it's just, this is just some fucking lady who really thought it was funny, and obviously I did sound like that. But you know, it it kind of just it, it makes you almost hyper aware of everything you say. Right. Like, and that's our baseline normal. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I I can't. I can't function with that. I can't be in a relationship with someone who who isn't like that or who doesn't appreciate right. that. I, I just it's not fun. It's not fun. And if you always have to watch what you're saying, or you're always worried I'm going to upset them by being too harsh or they're too fragile. Um, you right. know, now imagine that same sort of philosophy, that same mindset, and then you apply it to work. So work, when you have to work somewhere, most of the time you don't, you don't get to choose the people you work with. You work with the people who yeah. also work at the place you work, and then you have to deal with all these fucking bullshit sensitivities that they might be bringing to the table. Yeah, and there's also a penalty in those situations where if you say something people don't like, they go to human resources, oh, yeah. uh, which nothing destroys fun 
like fucking human resources. Especially because, when their job is only to make sure the company doesn't get sued. Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. it's all about lawsuits. That that really mm-hmm. is. I mean, even at work, like you know, on the air, we can say what we want. They never fuck with us. But I don't talk to anybody in the office. I mean, I don't fucking hi, hello, and keep walking. I don't yeah. want any miscommunications, any misinterpretations, right. or any opportunity for someone to just be deceitful. Someone to, to pretend that you said something or lock you into some sort of a weird deal what's easier i know people that have had to do that where it's easier to pay someone than it is to yeah d- deal with the ramifications of being falsely charged yeah with whatever yeah or just or, or yeah he said this to me and it's like how do i prove that i didn't say that to you right there's no yeah well, there's I've been people lucky. that make money suing companies too they it's like it's a real good way to go i i got sued i mean it's it's like it's why i have e o insurance because i got mm-hmm. fucking sued for half a million dollars uh, it was that it was that fucking uh, for defamation because I shit on that lawyer on the air when he called in He was like the guy's right activist mm-hmm. and he called up and uh, I insulted him for an hour and I implied that he fucked chickens like it was funny <laughs> um, And he I, I remember saying like he, he sued me for defamation and I remember saying this guy wants to kill me But he can't so he's getting me legally because we met once I, he thought I wanted to settle with him because he amended his complaint. He said that I was having people send him anthrax or, or white powder implying it was anthrax. It was fucking crazy. So I had him meet in my lawyer's office just to tell him, like, dude, I like that's insane. I thought, like, as two people. Right. But he thought I was going to settle. So we shook hands and met, and he was just, like, a little fishy, weird guy. Um, and then he just continued to sue me, and it finally went away. I had a great lawyer. And in court eight months later or nine months later, um, the judge didn't like him, and my attorney started reading things I said to him on the air, and all the other lawyers in the court started laughing, and all those people <laughs> laughing at him um, got him to go, oh, Your Honor, we can settle this. So they went in the back, and that was it. No money was paid. It was just dropped. Oh, he just didn't want to be mocked. And that he didn't want to be mocked, and he wrote like this manifesto, and he mentioned me in it. Oh, um, and that guy, over the fucking pandemic... Uh, dressed up like a FedEx worker and went to a judge's house and shot her son <gasps> and killed him. That was the guy. That's the same guy, Roy Roy Den Hollander, and he. That was the guy that sued. That's you? the guy that sued me. Holy shit! And he went to. Uh, he was gonna, I think, murder Sonia Sotomayor. I think her name is the Supreme Court justice, and they said he might have killed somebody else in L.A. They don't know, but yeah, he was going to uh, shoot her, and her son answered the door. Holy shit! Yeah, dude. but I knew that guy. It was more than a lawsuit because he had challenged me to a duel. I didn't tell you. He chal- on the air, he goes, do you want to go to South America and have a duel? Like, it was really bizarre that uh, he chose- Like one of those 10 paces things? Yes. Like, like it was so nuts. Whoa. Um, and then he started wanting to come back in studio and fight us. He's like, it'll just be me against the three hosts fighting. All these crazy messages. Oh, my God. Um, but I knew I he was- I can't believe that was the guy. I never knew that. That's the guy, yeah. So that, like, when that type of shit happens, it it's like it does change you a little bit. You're like, wow, that guy was right. That guy literally wanted to murder me. It wasn't me being crazy or paranoid. Um, and most people, from what I heard, he had cancer. Like they said, he had like uh, incurable stage four cancer, and wow. then he wound up doing that, and then he just blew his brains out, shot himself. Oh wow. Yeah. So they never got him. He he did it to himself. He killed himself. Yeah, I think the cops were coming to get him, oh, and he and he uh, he killed himself. So yeah, that could have been a lot worse. Oh, um, boy. And I, I and I, I look back on that, and I also feel good about myself. Like, hey, you read this guy right. Like, I read what type of person he was. Like, you know, is this, you get 
pretty good instincts. Uh, like if somebody's heckling yeah. you, you understand, is this guy having fun or is this right. guy trying to be a piece of shit because he resents me? You you learn mm -hmm. pretty quickly to read motives. Yeah. Um, and I just, it was just, maybe it's just an animal gut instinct, but I'm like, this guy's a fucking problem. Um, so yeah, I got very lucky with that, that we, we never, uh, it never got to that. I wonder how much you having him humiliated ramped up all of his anger. It led to him murdering people. You know, I, I don't know because it was years later and it was also, he had this thing with women. Like I originally, were gonna, we were going to interview him because he was suing Columbia because of their guys studies or, or women's studies. Sorry. And so I was like, look, I don't like anything that's progressive and exclusive by nature. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, how come they're not doing guys? So, so I'm like, let's see what... But then it became apparent he just sues women. So then we started to make fun of him. Um, because it's like, I, it wasn't the principle of Columbia doing this. It was like, you just have a fucking hard on and want to sue women. So then we kind of made fun of him. Um, and it got ugly and I was just being a dick like I was on the air. Yeah. Um, and that's what really, but I don't think that, I think he had so many of these problems and it was much more about women than anything I said to him. Like my humiliation of him was years earlier, but I do think I humiliated him and he really wanted to because my attorney at the time, uh, his name was Tom Ferber. He was a great lawyer and he, they, th my law firm hated him so much. They retroactively knocked down what they were charging me. They go, this guy's such a bad guy that we're gonna charge you less and we're gonna make it retroactive. Like they were so offended by what he was doing as an attorney. Wow. So I, I, I got lucky with really good people and, and they really took good care of me. You also got lucky that you caught him before the cancer. Yes, 100%, 100% because again, do I think he would have hunted me down and killed? No, I, I think the judge for him was a bigger one, but I mean, I'm sure it would have felt good for him if he could have. Um, Especially if he was on a run. So let me stop by the yeah. radio station. Yeah, and oddly enough, it happened in the town I grew up in, which was, again, a pure coincidence, but it wow. uh, happened in North Brunswick. Wow. Um, he went to kill her, and just unfortunately her son answered the door. Ooh, boy. Yeah, you get, like, I've gotten so many threats um, over the years, like and, like, legit, you know, radio, podcasting, you don't see who, it's not like live stand-up. Like, there's a lot of people that you don't see. Um, and I used to answer them. I have I have hundreds of fucking hate mail messages. And I used to go back and forth with people. Um, and I eventually stopped because then people, like I had a couple people talking about you better watch your back or talk about getting shot. And they were using their real names. And I'm like, all right, if this guy's using his real name, he's a fucking, there's something wrong with him. Right. Like, and I don't know what he looks like and he knows what I look like. Yeah. Um, but I eventually stopped reading it or responding to it because well, the thing about the ONA show though it was a very aggressive show. Yeah. And uh, aggressive in shitting on people, yeah. aggressive in attacking people and the weaponization of the pests. Yeah, and they they kind of did it on their own and we enjoyed it. Yeah. Um because they were really funny. Like they would do some really funny shit like we would do jocktobers um <laughs> and, t and, yeah. and just a uh, torture another we should tell everybody with the pet the pest of the audience oh they were just these uh these ona fans very that were you know, really connected very committed fans yeah and pest was just this dumb affection because they were yeah. just pests they would just annoy people and we would take over and, and just like fuck with another radio show it would only happen for a day though you'd be in and out for a day they'd put all these horrible things on their facebook page the facebook page would shut down and then the next day it would be another well, Jocktober was was just making fun of like corny radio guys. Yeah, and I actually, it's funny, I had to go on because, you know, I had the advantage of doing radio, but also of going on the road. 
and I had been on shows and they're like, you know, you jocktobered us. So I had to go and face some of these fucking people. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's like being overheard talking shit, but. What'd you say to them when you were in studio? You know, I mean, look, they were, they were cooler with it than I would have thought. And there was one time in Boston, we had really been brutal to this show. And what I was, show was it? I don't remember. I, it's been years ago. I don't remember the show. I didn't remember the jocktobering. But uh, Kenny comes out and I was waiting to do a show. And he goes, hey, you. Um, Jocktobered these people and they want to know if you have the guts to come in studio and I'm like yeah so I went right in because you have to I would rather just yeah face it and then we kind of talked about it and it was okay it wasn't it wasn't as aggressive I think they were surprised that I came in um, and whenever you talk to someone one-on-one -on -one, it humanizes them a little bit like it's harder to totally dismiss somebody when you're actually talking to them right because you realize like yeah they're just making a living doing radio, and they look at me like he's just a stupid fucking comic making yeah. fun of something. Um, so we wound up getting along, and it was okay. But, yeah, I had to deal with that on the road. I went on a few shows that we fought with, <laughs> like Lex and Terry in Dallas. They were really brutal, those guys. They were harsh. Um, we had nasty fights with them. And then eventually got kind of made up, and I went on their show, and it was are fun. Those, are any of those shows still around? How many of those radio I don't know. shows? I know Bubba's still around. He's doing something. I don't know if Lex and Terry are. Toucher and Rich just broke up up and but they were friends, but I mean like they were one of those shows that made it through all these What about Bob and Tom? I one of them died. Oh, which one? Bob died? and I don't know. I've only done this show once or twice and I've been in studio once or twice. Um I think one of them passed away and I don't know which one. Oh. They were the show to get on. They were. If you wanted to be big in the Midwest, you wanted to get on the Bob and Tom show. Yeah, right. Larry the Cable Guy, all these guys that they made. I mean, radio, would, what it did for people for years. Now, no one cares if you're on the radio. Like, the regular yeah. radio doesn't do shit for people anymore unless unless few shows and a few markets can help. Like, Johnny Dare in Kansas City was always a great show to go on because he would help you sell tickets. Yeah. But most of those shows are gone. There? I don't know. I haven't been out there in so many years. The, the weird ones for me now is, uh, you know, whenever you... Uh, get a car and, and you know like uh, usually i use like apple carplay in my car but if i don't have it plugged in or if i forget my phone or something like that i'm like let me see what's on the radio Oof. and i'll press am talk radio and i'll just scroll until i find either someone talking about jesus or someone talking about trump yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly what it is there's nothing funny like or there's very few funny shows anymore because everyone's so afraid of getting in trouble or yeah. getting the let like it's worse than it's ever been they're just trying to catch people slipping trying to catch people saying something they can get them in trouble for yeah we got out just in time i mean and honestly like when when we got fired in 2002 it, 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 again it turned out to be a blessing but when you got when you're doing serious do they tell you how many people listen no it's a negotiation a strength for them but they don't, just like Netflix, won't tell you how many people have watched your special. But there's no one that you know that's inside. No, you can go no. I've, I've, I've wanted to know, and I guess people, they said that Sam and I do really well on uh, the, on, like for them, on demand is very big. Their app is very big. And they said we do better than most people at the company on that app. And they're really happy with it. So the app, it's just like having... Uh, Spotify or something like that. You just press and you can get the show whenever you want. Yeah, and you can yeah. listen to so it's it like replay. A yeah. So it's essentially a podcast just released through the app. Through the app. And do you have to pay for that? I don't know. I mean, I think the app is free. I don't know. I, I don't. I, this. I, I don't listen to my own show, much less anything else. But the on show it. you have to pay for Sirius XM. So right. I, or it's just Sirius. Sirius. So, I would no, Sirius XM Pandora now. Oh, is it? Yeah, Sirius XM Pandora. Oh, so the, I thought they got rid of the XM. Is it Pandora? They absorbed it. 
Yeah, they own Pandora for they sure. Do. Yeah, no, SiriusXM is still, and they just added something else too. I should probably know because I worked there, but I really don't. How much longer do you think Howard's going to do it? I don't know because I don't know him. Like I've met him, I've never really interacted with Howard other than hello and goodbye. And Isn't like that weird. Yeah, in the same building. Same building, but does he go in the studio? I don't think he's been there for a long time. I think he broadcasts from home. Like yeah. he's got his own studio. Um, but even when he was in, I wouldn't see him because I came in. I would see Artie, like Artie Lang, and I would bump into each other in the elevator all the time. And I hated getting up, and which would drive me crazy. Like Artie does heroin, and he and I are getting here at the same time. Like <laughs> he would, he would fucking be there with the sunglasses on in the elevator, going up to work. <laughs> so I bumped into Artie all the time. But Howard, I've probably seen two or three times in all those years. Interesting. Yeah, we never. I never did his show because it was it was Opie and Anthony, and when we were off the air, I was an O and A guy, so I, I never tried to get on. I just always wondered, like, what, did, like, how, what motivates him? Like, does he want to keep doing it? You know, and doing it from home. If like, if you get to a certain point in time where the only way you feel like you're connecting with people is if you do that, that would be very odd. If you're just doing it from your home and you're not going out, you know, like being out with people, and your only connection to the world is through a microphone. Yeah. It can get very odd. I guess he's interviewing people he wants to talk to. Mm. Like, I guess at this point he just wants to do certain interviews. And, like, again, people have said his show changed a lot, but I was never a listener. of. I just I don't yeah. listen to anything. No, it, it definitely changed a lot, but you still got to give the guy props for sure. what he did. Because in the beginning there was no one like him. And he fought the government. They fucking fined him. And he was doing this on the air on regular radio. And everybody was tuning in to see what the wildest shit that this guy was going to say. And there was no one that had done that before. And it opened up the door for all of us. Yeah. For all, it definitely opened up the door for ONA. It made ONA more, it, it greased the wheels for ONA. Although ONA was a different thing. It was more of a hang. Yeah. But they, they admit of, that Howard was a huge influence on him. He was an influence on everybody. And then from there, it goes on to podcasts. And, you know, it's not possible without Howard Stern. It does, it's a totally different path to entertainment talking because this is the, like that kind of just having a conversation with someone that really didn't exist in that form before where you heard it for long periods of time with comedians. Like, who else had done that? Yeah, at least where it was entertaining and right. funny and, like, you'd go into areas that, like, regular interviews weren't going into. Oh, he had regular shows where girls would ride on a Sibian. Yeah. Yeah, or play with themselves. Yeah, or you all know. the time. Oh, and they had uh, girls would talk in and, and uh, they would have them rub the phone on their pussy and try Ugh. to guess what their pubic hair looked like. You know what I mean? It was They had, like, three different categories of, like, full uh, bush, landing uh, strip, or, uh, or bald pussy, which they called the jambonet, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they would have people just call up and rub the phone on their pussies. You know, it was just it was, it was fun. And then it became Whip Em Out Wednesdays. Where Wednesdays girls would pull their tits out. Yeah, and Flash. That was before I got there they came up. I think Opie came up with that before I arrived. Like, that was something that was already a staple by the time I showed up. Because that was the whole thing with the O&A. They would have stickers, and the stickers would say wow on it. Yeah, and yeah. you'd see them everywhere. Oh, yeah, and if someone had a sticker on their car, and girls drove by, they would honk their horn and pull their tits out. Yeah, yeah, and we would get calls on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, hey, some girl just showed me her tits. Like, it was really <laughs> great. I unfortunately did not get to see many uh, driving, <laughs> but I had to hear from happy happy uh, listeners. But it was that kind of a show that was like a, a welcome break from all the fake bullshit that you would hear on in most media. 
Yeah, and there was no real like you could say anything you wanted because yeah. it was only it was a subscription service, and then our show was a subscription on top of that. Like we went on XM, uh, there was a two dollar fee additionally to get Opie and Anthony. Like it wasn't even on the regular. We fought for a year to get on the regular platform. They kept Opie and Anthony separated. Is that because they were scared of you guys? I think so, and they also wanted to have that thing, hey, you paid the $2. That's what I think. Right, right, um, right. You chose you it. asked for. This is what you asked for. Yeah. But eventually we got on the regular. And I'll say this for serious, they don't ever fuck with us on what to talk about, what not to talk about. Um, That's great. Yeah, they never give us content problems. Um, you know, we can't really have nudity in the studio anymore, but I mean... Most companies are probably not letting you do That's that. That's a lawsuit thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's also been done so many times. Like, what are we yeah, gonna do? Look at a pair of tits. Like, who yeah, cares? Enough. I put yeah. my own on. Dude. Fucking fat fuck. Can't stop. <laughs> I'm trying to lose weight again. I got so self conscious. I just fattened up. That's married life. You just you're home. What are you trying to do to lose weight? Eating better. Yeah. I've, been, I've been going to Henzo's for like seven months now. Oh, yeah? And that's great exercise. Like, oh, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, I go four days a week. and like You're doing Muay Thai too? I do two days of each a week because, wow. yeah, I, I really- That's awesome. You know, Jiu-Jitsu is great, but like I want to be able to get to somebody or handle somebody throwing a punch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I train with, I do mostly privates because I, I, I this schedule of classes doesn't work with my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and I train with a guy named Mike Jaramillo, who's a, who's a high level black belt. And, uh, he has me rolling with this blue belt named Martin and it's just, it's fucking great, dude. Like it's very addicting. I yeah. love doing it. Um, and it's exhausting. It's more tiring than anything I've ever done in my life. That's great to hear, man. I'm yeah. excited that you're doing that. But I'm never going to compete. I literally just don't want to get my ass kicked in a movie theater. That's you... all I'm worried about is getting beaten up in a fucking movie theater. Well, it's, it's always good to learn how to fight. It's never a bad thing to know how to fight. Doesn't mean you're going to use it. Doesn't mean you're going to hurt anybody. I'd never have, but it's just a good thing to know. Yeah, you look at people differently. Like, I'm not. Again, I'm not overconfident because I'm not looking for a fight. But when, like, when there's a disruption or a ruckus, you're less concerned about what happens if this comes this way. You know, you at least feel like, well, at least I would have an answer that I wouldn't have had seven or eight months ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, you want to know what to do instead of just to freeze up. One of the best things about jujitsu is when you are rolling, when you're sparring, you're essentially going full speed, right? You go full speed up into the point where you lock in the choke and then, or an arm bar or a knee bar, whatever it is, and then you control because you don't want to hurt each other. Right. But the point is you're, you're scrambling at essentially 100% until you get to that position. Not always. You know, sometimes you're flowing and sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're just trying to work on defense and you're letting someone go around you. But what you're c- accustomed to doing is resisting someone's full strength. You get accustomed to yes. doing that. And it becomes very normal. So, like, if someone grabs me, out of nowhere, if someone grabs me, this is a t- it's a total normal thing for me to feel. Like someone uh, the other day, I think it was Brian Moses, th- grabbed me from behind and put his uh, arm around my neck when I was uh, in the green room, and I tucked yeah. my chin. Like instantly tucked yeah. my chin. I instantly went like this. It's just like it's built in. It's entirely built in. I feel an arm right here. My, my chin yeah. tucks. I turn away and I grab it. I'm like. Oh, hey, what's up? You know, like it's it's in my central nervous system. Whereas for a person who's never trained, if someone grabs you, you have to think, what do I do? Now I have to grab this. By then it's too late. 
Yeah, there are certain yeah. things I don't think about, but I'm not there yet. Like the idea of it becoming like a reaction, that's what I want to get to. For certain things it is, but like if I'm trying to throw a triangle on, I'm like right arm through, right leg, left, right yeah. fucks me up a lot. Do you lot. drill a lot? Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, we do a lot of drilling, and that's what he'll have me drill from the right side, he'll have me drill from the left yeah. side. Drilling, um, drilling is everything. Yeah. People don't like to drill because it's tedious, and they like to spar because it's fun. And Eddie Bravo used to always explain this to me. It's like, you know, everybody loves to spar because, like, that's like you're playing the game. You're playing a video game. But yeah. to get good at that game, you got to do the tedious stuff. And yeah. so Eddie and I would drill all the time. He would come over to my house, and I had mats in my garage. And when I first started, I was like a blue belt, and Eddie, I think he was a brown. It was either purple or brown at the time. And he would come over my place and we would just drill for hours. And my game jumped up so much. My game from blue belt to purple belt jumped so much. And it was all just because I was drilling like all the time. Constant drilling. Yeah, he does that a lot. Mike will have us do like the same thing over and over and over and then I'll get tired. Like for me, the exhaustion mm -hmm. and he'll be like, you can go slow, but you can't stop. Train yes. yourself to move. Train yourself to move when you're tired. Um, does your nose work? Uh, my nose sucks. It's better than it was. Because um, I know we had talked before. You were you were thinking about getting the operation. Oh, I've gotten two. Septum. You got two. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's still it's also my lungs and the fact that I'm 55. Like you know, this guy I'm, I'm rolling with is a blue belt who's who moves very quick. Like he's really hard to hold when he doesn't want to be held. Like mm -hmm. if he's drilling, but then like for the last X amount of minutes, a lot of times he'll go. All right, I want you to follow him. Like he wants me just to follow his movements. Like if he's getting out of things. Do I know what the next thing to do is? Mm. Like just to kind of get me to do it mm. without thinking. Yeah. Um, and I've surprised myself a few times where I was actually able to see what he's doing, but I'm under no illusion that I can tap a blue belt. Like, you know. Well, it's, it's a language, and it's like you have to learn how to say the words before you can form sentences. And that's, uh, that's what you're doing when you learn jujitsu. And just like having a conversation with someone, when someone's moving, your reactions to their movement is based on your understanding of what could and couldn't happen. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it is like a language. Jiu-Jitsu is very much like a language. And you get good at it, just like you get good at a language and you have a bunch of different words at your disposal. You understand how to put them together. You understand how to put them together in context. And then you, you re react in these movements. And you see really good guys. It's almost like they're telepathic. Like they're anticipating the other person's counter to their move and then they trap them with that and flow into the next yeah. defense of that and it's all just this whirlwind of movement that looks random unless you're educated in what they're doing and then you go wow that's beautiful well mike will show things like and he again he's takes it easy on me because i'm a white belt but when he locks like he'll show me like things he knows i'm not going to compete so more how to defend yourself in a real life situation mm -hmm. so he'll show me where to throw elbows and like if you got a guy here throw your knee into his face like right. things that you'll need to do in real life uh but when he locks things on he goes and here's how you really make this suck if you want to um it's brutal like it, it's really uh, you realize how many ways there are to hurt somebody or to be hurt by somebody. Um, it's not just getting punched in the face. Like Muay Thai for me, I love um, because, again, my punching sucks. My kicks are fucking, my jab is shit. But I just want to be able to do a little bit of basic stuff if I have to do it. Right. But I'm never going to be great at that. Like I'm never going to throw kicks like fucking Wonder Boy and knock somebody out. <laughs> I just want to be able to throw one if I have to get somebody away from me. Yeah, it's just, it's again, it's a good thing to learn. And wherever you are now, whatever your baseline is, if you train, you'll get better. 
And you'll look back and go, oh, I remember when I used to think that I couldn't get good at this. Now I'm pretty fucking good at it. Yeah, I've, I've seen some improvement in seven months. And again, it's all, I don't care about belts. I don't care about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just, I like doing it. And I feel like, yeah, I'm learning something. Because when he tells me just to follow Martin and move, I feel like, yeah, I'm actually moving with him. And most of the time he's getting out of it. How much time are you spending when you're doing Muay Thai kick in a heavy bag? Um, well, not really, actually not a lot. I kick pads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped kicking, uh, probably two months ago cause I really hurt my foot. I thought I might've fractured my foot. So I've been doing just basically punching and tie clinch and takedowns, uh, for like the last two months to let my foot heal because I think I hit an elbow or something. No, I think I was just, sometimes my kicks are off and I actually did hit an elbow one time, but I don't think that's what did it. I think I just kicked too hard mm. and my foot hit the wrong part of the pad. You know, I, I think yeah. that's what it was. And I just, I felt like it was fractured, so I didn't want to break it. Mm. But no, I, no, I haven't but kept But you kept training, though. That's good. Find a way to work around it. I can't stop. I don't even go to the regular gym anymore because if I stop, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm, 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 very, I'm a streaky hitter. Like, I do really good, and when mm-hmm. I stop, fucking forget it. I'm not getting back into well, it. Well, the cool thing about um, martial arts is it's a really hard workout, but it's also fun because you're learning something. Yeah, and it's you, like you're doing a skill. It's not just like I'm gonna get on this bike and I'm gonna ride for fucking six miles. Yeah, on this fucking stationary bike while you're listening to a podcast. Instead, you're learning something. So you're you're not even thinking about the the you know the the grind of it all. You're just enjoying it. Yeah, and you feel like you like this will come in handy in real life. Hopefully, I won't have to. But if something happens, at least this thing I'm doing will help me in a yeah. physical altercation if my fucking wife and I get attacked at least I'll be able to you know do do more than I would have been able to do I'm still yeah. not confident enough to have a fight with somebody how long have you been doing it now about seven months yeah dude you just keep doing it you'll get better yeah I love it like I really love it and you get used to the smell of a jujitsu gym pretty fast but yeah, that's it stinks yeah but do you um are you taking care of your body in terms of like supplements and I've been doing some lines? Bert actually when I was here uh and I think it was the, the guy that you talked to Got me a bunch of supplements. We talked about TRT, but I just I, I'm not at a point where I'm comfortable doing that. Like I don't. I'm just afraid of it. I guess. What are you afraid of? I, like if, if it makes if, if you have a tumor, will it make that grow more? No, you just talk to Brigham about that. I don't He's want my the balls guy that to you shrink. Talk to you like your balls nice and plump. I do. I like my balls juicy. I've got a big load. It's my fucking <laughs> it's my calling card, Joe. <laughs> well, that, there's no reason why that has to go away. There's uh, something called HCD. What is it called? HCG. Human colonotropin, whatever it is, it makes your body, uh, it's like a peptide that makes your body produce more testosterone. And uh, there's a lot of people use that uh, as opposed to just TRT. So instead of just put it here, it is uh, human chorionic gonadotropin. That's how you say it. So um, it's a hormone that can increase a person's chances of pregnancy, helps produce testosterone and sperm. So if you're low on testosterone, you can take that. Does that, it fuck up? You can it fuck make tumors bigger or whatever? No, like I'm scared no. of cancer. No, you shouldn't be scared of that. You know, if you're scared of cancer, you should stop eating sugar. Yeah, I've tried to cut a lot of it out. Yeah, um, but that's the that's the real one. Yeah, that's the real one. Um, there's obviously genetic uh, factors in cancer. Um, there's certainly environmental factors in cancer. Those are huge, but. There's some real connections to an overconsumption of sugar and a host of different diseases, a diminishing of your immune system. And uh, most people, unfortunately, are addicted to it. 
and um, I've got these guys at the store, um, or at the uh, mothership rather, over the last month, this month of January, we're doing carnivore month. And I'm not saying, I, like I am not a nutritionist and I'm not saying that this is the best way that everyone on earth should eat. But what I wanted them to do to try it for a month, if you are committing to only eating meat and eggs and fish uh, for a month, what you are also committing to doing is not eating bread, not eating pasta, yeah. not eating bullshit, not eating cake, not eating cookies, not eating potato chips, not eating just garbage that just clogs up your body with bullshit. And these guys are talking just in the two weeks that we've been doing. It, they're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Derek was saying the other day in the green room, he's like, I have so much energy, man. It feels crazy. Like, I don't need naps. And Hassan was like, I had an, an idea of what my baseline energy was, and I was so wrong. I was always like, oh, I need a nap. I goes, I don't ever need naps now over two weeks. Duncan said the same thing. Duncan realized he has diabetes. Ah. Type 2 diabetes. Yeah, yeah. From sugar. From eating sugar. So Duncan gets off the diabetes, and he or gets off the sugar, rather, and he calls me like two weeks later. He's like, dude, I feel fucking amazing. This is crazy. Well, I can't believe how good I feel. It's really hard, like, especially when shit's in the house, because, you know, my wife doesn't know what's healthy. Like, she'll bring home cupcakes and go, they're healthy. They're from Whole Foods. I'm like, I can't yeah. eat that. Do you understand? I'm getting fat. I can't keep doing this. You can't outrun bad diet. And it's, I'm it's not, just, it's not just like bad diet. I think you should think of it as poison. I think you should think of a lot of the bullshit that people eat as a very minor, slow-acting poison. It's not a poison that's going to take you out and kill you when you eat it. It's a poison that if you keep eating it, it's going to diminish your robustness. It's going to diminish your health, your, your, your metabolic strength, all, of your, all the factors that go into sleep and recovery and even cognitive function. They're all getting diminished. Every fucking one of them, 100% of them. I'm so paranoid about being sick. I, went, I, I go every year for like scans, and but I'm a claustrophobe, so it's very hard to do. Like I did an MRI recently for everything. I'm like, check the fucking the brain. I want to check the chest, check the groin. But I kept yelling at them to take me out. It was really humiliating. Uh, yeah, I'm squeezing the thing. I'm like, take me out. And they would take me out and put me back in. And they finally turned the thing around and put me in legs first because I'm so claustrophobic. Oh God. So they couldn't do the brain one. I just couldn't get through it. It was because your head is fucking. Yeah, I've done MRIs. Oh, doesn't yeah. bother you to be enclosed like that? I just deal with it. I can't do it. It makes me crazy. I have to. I have to take something. Like yeah, I don't enjoy it, but I just do it. Did you hear about the lady who went into one? I mean, I don't even know if this is a true story. It might be one of those internet things. She went into an MRI with a loaded gun, and the gun went off and shot her. No, but what, why a gun? I don't know. Did she forget she had it? It's it. It could be one of two things. It could be a real crazy person, or it could be something that someone wrote because it would be a funny scenario, and they put it out on the internet and it gets a bunch of clicks. Because people believe things. There was one where somebody went for an MRI and it sucked the magnet sucked all this metal yeah, stuff I did against hear it. About that and killed which, someone. Did yeah. it kill them? Yeah. yeah, people have definitely died. I mean, that's why they make you take all the magnets or the metal rather out of your. You know, you walk in with a hospital gown. I was so annoyed. Dude, I, they put music on, and I was fucking having a panic attack. So I tell the guy, put on some rock music, rock music. And this fucking guy thought I said Rocky. So all he's playing is the Rocky dun, dun, theme. Dun, dun, uh, dude, dun, dun, over dun, dun, and dun, dun, over dun. and over. <laughs> I'm having a panic attack listening to that fucking... Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it was so not helpful. <clears throat> a Wisconsin woman sneaks a gun into MRI. It goes off shooting her in the buttocks. In the process of entering the bore, the wow. handgun was attracted to the magnet and fired a single round. The patient received a gunshot wound to the right buttock area. 
Yeah, so it's true. Wow, like what is the point of sneaking a gun in? Well, she wanted to fucking shoot somebody, but also needed to go to the doctor, like, but didn't want to leave her gun in the locker. Oh, she was probably afraid they'd go through and find yeah, it? Yeah, find her fucking pistol in the locker. She's like, I'm just going to sneak it How in. How humiliating. There. Shoot yourself crazy in the ass. Fucking crazy lady. Yeah, but I do it once a year. Just I, I get so paranoid about getting sick and getting fucking cancer. Like, oh, Go back, Jamie. There's another one there. Look, no, 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 look at this. So. According to New York Post, a Brazilian lawyer was killed in a hospital in Sao Paulo in January when a handgun he was carrying during an MRI discharged into his stomach. Holy shit. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Like, why? what's the purpose of bringing a gun into a place like that? This other lady, a nurse, was crushed when she was trapped between an MRI and a hospital bed drawn to the machine. I think that's the oh, one I'm thinking of. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, it really is. You figure they'd have a better system than fucking magnets at this point. Yeah. You know. No. Well, that was always my argument against uh, aliens. Like, there was, a, oh, they're doing an anal probe. I'm like, don't they have MRIs? Right. They, they have to stick their finger up your ass. Like, what are they doing? Dude, I'm trying. I'm, tr I'm trying to believe. I want to believe in UFOs so bad, but every time I get close, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I, watch, uh, I watch a video of someone debunking it, and I just can't. I want to see one thing that makes me go, fuck, I can't find an explanation for that. I am less likely to believe with every new thing they tell us. <laughs> in aliens or against them? Well, in the existence of them, I'm 100% convinced. Yeah. 100% sure. convinced that in the greater universe, which is almost impossible to imagine how big it is, that there's other forms of life. I believe that 100%. But I also think that if you're getting some release from the Pentagon that says there's off-world crafts, you know, UFOs, unexplainable vehicles, not of this earth, they don't tell you the truth about anything. No. Anything. I would say that if I was trying to obscure a hyper-sophisticated drone or weapons program. I would release that. I would, if I was a, a smart guy who's involved in intelligence, I would say... What's the best way to get away with this new super sophisticated weapons program? Okay, well, let's just say it's aliens. Yeah. Let's, let's just not say it's us at all. And well, what's the best way to get that information out? First of all, pretend you don't want it to get out. Yeah. Don't just have a press conference because then they won't believe you. Leak it out slowly. Leak it out a little bit here and there. Leak it out through, you got some guy who works for you who's maybe got a big mouth, likes to tell like, yeah. a little gossipy. Yeah. Let's uh, get Mike over there. Tell yeah. him. Yeah. Leave a folder on his desk. Yeah. Tell a secret to some yeah. asshole that you know can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Exactly. And then Mike, I felt compelled to go to Congress and explain. <laughs> and then, you know, Mike is on fucking Newsmax and Mike is uh, writing a substack now about all his experiences that he had in Area 51. There's a lot of loony people, man. And there's a lot of real interest in obscuring high-level military secrets that are of dire national intelligence and national security uh, needs. Like, you need these, th if these things exist, if they have the, the technology for insane hypersonic travel with a drone that ev evades, uh, you know, all known weapon systems, can move at a, a speed, almost at the speed of light, like some insane speed, if we really have something like that, why, the best way to pretend you don't have it is to say that it's alien that's and why i wondered like the fravor and alex dietrich is that what they saw something that we had like i want to believe that story so much because i like their story and i think they're credible people they definitely are credible people and i like their story too and it only makes sense that it's out there near where all the military bases are 
I mean, think about where that was. It's right. in San Diego. Where the ones with uh, uh, Ryan Graves, the fighter pilot who f- spotted them off the East Coast, same thing, restricted airways. It's all the places where they do military exercises. Right. So there's things they might not tell those guys that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and it's also with Ryan Graves, I think it was in 2014 when they upgraded the sensors. They upgraded all the scanning systems, and then they started seeing these things all the time. So what better way to find out, like, at what level can people see these right. things? Let's upgrade the scanners and send these guys out there. Up oh, they're seeing them. Okay, so they're seeing them now. Yeah. So, and now you know. Like, it's like, I, I, I think more likely than any, at least some of these things these people are experiencing are ours. Yeah, I think so too. And I want to believe more. But like I saw Lex Friedman did a really good interview with uh, with David Fravor and they were responding to things that Mick West said. And I, David Fravor is a brilliant guy, but the explanation he gave wasn't the technical explanation I would have wanted to hear. Like, it was more like, hey, we're trained and we know what we're seeing. And I'm a fucking idiot, so I don't understand the technology at all. I'm a high school dropout. But I still, I was like, I watched both of those things and I was like... I, I just, he didn't say anything that combated what Mick West said that made, like, you know what I mean? Mick West said things. And well, listen, wrong, about, that, about that thing being real, that cannot be denied because there was, it was scanned. They used multiple different types of equipment and, and the human eye. So yeah. you have this, they, they spotted this thing at above 50,000 feet and it went down to 50 feet in less than a second. Yeah. Then it's a physical object. It also went to its cat point. So they saw it. They have video of this thing moving at an insane rate of speed that they judge to be like some fucking stupendous number of G's. That if a human being was inside right. of this thing, you'd just turn it into jello. And then it went to their cat point, which is their predetermined destination that they were all going to meet up. So this thing either ha- was being operated by the same people and they knew that they could like get it to that point or. It was telling them that it knew where they were supposed to go, and then it reappears. It moves off at this rate of speed that you can't even, you can't process it. No one knows how it's doing it. How's it going from 50,000 feet above sea level to 50 like that? That's not possible as as far as what we know. But if they have something that can move like that, and it's most likely some kind of a drone, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But does that mean that that's all the things that people are seeing? No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I don't think they're lying, by the way. I don't think that they, those pilots are lying yeah. at all. I think they definitely saw something. Mm-hmm. I'm just not convinced it's from another Jupiter. planet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not either. I'm not. But I'm also not convinced that some of these things aren't from other planets. Which one do you think? Because there's not one that I saw, and I really want the one. Like, I want to see one. I've never seen the one. I've never seen the one. But there's enough sightings and enough people that are just... What percentage of people lie about stuff? Is it half? It might be half. Like, half people fib a little bit about the story and make themselves look a little better than what really happened. It's tricky. Tricky between, like, an outlight outright lie which is fairly rare amongst people and then a distortion of truth which is much more common yeah filling in the blanks where you think it should go yeah yeah like a friend of mine was trying to tell me that he spotted a ufo in his backyard and then they filmed it with his iphone but that the uh the the video wasn't on the phone after it was over i go okay isn't it more likely you didn't press the button you thought you pressed the button that's happened to me before everybody does that and he's like no 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 it was definitely working like "Mm." Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not working. That's possible, too. And the fact that you're not inter- able to entertain whether or not it might not have actually been recording, that seems to be a little weird. Well, what's easier to swallow? Like, the fact that 
I, I, I saw a UFO and it made the video disappear, or I saw a UFO and then didn't hit record. Yeah, like, that's more likely. Yeah, like that's the humiliating thing. Like there's yeah. a fucking UFO and I didn't record it. Also, you're freaking out. When people are freaking out, they don't know what they're doing. They, they fuck things up all the time. But the point is, like, that's not a lie. It's just a distorted version of truth that suits that person more. And I think people do stuff like that all the time when it comes to like these UFO sightings. But you always have to leave in the, the possibility of someone who's immune to that. You, you have to leave in sightings from people that are credible, objectionable, uh, or uh, objective rather right. people that can look at something and go, I don't know what this is, but let me tell you what I saw. And they tell you what they saw to the best of their recollection and memory with no additives. Without, no. without, the, without the expectation of convincing you of something right. or without the expectation of it being A, B, or C, but hey, this is what happened, whatever exactly. it is, it is. Yeah, exactly. that's hard to find that. Exactly. There's also this thing where people want to be one of the people that see a UFO. Of course. Because it makes you special. Yeah. It makes you special. Yeah, so they want to, you know, it's hard. I'll tell you what, this fucking guy, Travis Walton, this is one of the craziest stories. He's the guy that was in that uh, Fire in movie, the Sky, yeah, right? Fire in the Sky. That one's wild, man. That one's wild because that guy was missing for five days or however many days it was and then turns up and has this story that's similar to so many other stories. But was it, were his, did his friends see him disappear? Yeah. They saw him get taken? No, they saw him walk up to the spacecraft and they saw as he got close to the spacecraft, some sort of beam of light hit him. And he falls to the ground, and they panicked. So they get in their car, allegedly, obviously. This yeah, is sure. They drive off. They're all screaming and yelling at each other, we have to go back. We can't leave in there. We have to go back. They get like a mile down the road, and they finally, they're like fighting with each other. And they go, okay, we're going to go back. And they go back, and he's gone. The craft's gone. He's gone. And then many days later, he shows up with this crazy story in the town, wearing the same clothes, and doesn't know how he got there, and calls for help and he says that he was abducted and taken aboard this craft and they fixed him they realized that they had blasted him with this beam of energy that came off of this spaceship and then they brought him back on and repaired him he talked about the different kinds of beings that he encountered and what the experience was like and uh i mean you don't know what that is what does that mean it may be it was ball lightning and maybe when he approached the ball lightning, he got hit and electrocuted. Sure. And maybe he had a near-death experience. And maybe in that near-death experience, he had some psychedelic imagination of this experience where he was in contact with other beings. Or maybe during those near-death experiences, your, your brain really does produce a chemical gateway that opens up a portal to something that's around you all the time but you're never in contact with. And that that's what happened. So what he's interpreting as being taken aboard a UFO and brought to some place, maybe whatever that experience was, whatever the thing was that hit, whatever that phenomenon that hit him, whether it was ball lightning or something else, when you get hit and you almost die and your brain has this experience and it's opening up this chemical gateway to things that are around you all the time and then you come back you have this version of a thing where you're in a, you're in a physical craft you're being taken away and the aliens are working on you but it might just be that you got to death's door and, and it's probably a much better story like it's much easier to think that this amazing thing happened to you 
other than I got hit by lightning and laid there. Right. Yeah, I mean, that story sucks. Like, nobody likes that story. Right. Walked you around. laid there and almost died and went into a near-death experience where your, your soul transcended into some new dimension and you interacted with this well of souls that's around us all the time. You just you're not capable of experiencing it and seeing it with regular human eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a better story. And mm-hmm. again, I don't think it's a lie. Maybe people just convince themselves of it. Also, I don't think they know. I don't even know what happened. One of the best ones is Betty and Barney Hill. You know that one? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's yeah. a crazy one. Was that New Hampshire? I think it was like Maine, maybe New Hampshire. Yeah, but definitely northern um, northeast. And uh, they did through hypnotic regression. They both had the same kind of story. They were taken aboard a craft. Yeah. I've heard there was just uh, like uh, disputes about how much of their story they told it was the same, but I've never deep dove on it. Like, but to also say that they're like, lying. Imagine if you and I both got abducted. We're hanging out here in the studio. We're talking. All of a sudden, the lights go off, and fucking weird light from outside is making its way into the windows. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then you and I wake up, and we're on a spaceship, and we don't know what the fuck happened. We're on a spaceship, and they take us into different rooms. And then we're there for like two days, and then you wake up in your hotel room. Yeah. And I wake up in my house, and we don't know what the fuck happened. But we we know we were talking, and then all of a sudden we were gone. Yeah, we look at our watch, and it's the same day that we left, and it's only an hour later, and we think we've been gone for days. And then we tried to, and then someone individually asks us questions. They pull us into the room. So, Mr. Norton, why don't you explain what you and Joe were doing and what happened? And you go, okay, and then you tell your story, and then I tell my story. My story's, the way I'm reacting to it might be totally different. My version of it might be totally different. Yeah, but the story, the basic story. Yeah, basic stories were hanging out, and then all of a sudden there was a light, and then we woke up on a spaceship. Yeah, and I panicked, and I fucking blinked a lot, and I complained about how high we were, and I got nauseous. It would be a fucking disaster. But I would, I would like to believe that it's possible. I would just, I can't. I just, I'm too skeptical. Yeah. And I, I think that it exists, but I just, it's so frustrating that I just can't find that one that makes me go fuck. Like I envy people with that conviction. Like I envy religious people. Like I envy the conviction to mm. it. Like even if I don't agree with it, I envy their ability to have that conviction. I think we're trying to look at it like a movie. And I think it's probably way weirder than that. I think the reality of what alien life is, I think there's, again, I I want to state this, I don't know. But I think there's probably multiple factors going on simultaneously. And I'm not discounting the idea that some of those factors are another life form that's undocumented. So I think you have your bullshit that's going on where there's definitely some programs, just like they did with the stealth bomber, yeah. just like they did with these hypersonic missiles. There's a lot of stuff that they developed that's like, it has to be developed in top secret for national security reasons. It has to be done that way. You can't just tell everybody you have this thing. And so one of the best ways to obscure that, I'm sure, would be to blame it on aliens. It's a great way to do it. I think there's that. But I also think just the sheer raw numbers of planets that are in the sky The insane number of galaxies and solar systems would lead me to believe that something has probably made it past this point where we are at right now. And if something has made it past this point, even just a few thousand years, that something would be very curious about what's going on in other planets and would figure out a way to get there. Yeah, I definitely look, I I think that that stuff definitely exists somewhere. My ex, Jen, is a a, a huge believer in alternate time. Like, uh, what what do they call when you, the the fucking... uh, Multiverse. Multiverses and and like uh, time shifts and multiple dimensions and all that. She's a genius at talking about it, but I can't 
follow it. At, like she, for her, it makes perfect sense. She knows everything about aliens and the Greys, and she <laughs> can throw, like she really <laughs> is, is deep dives on this shit. And it's kind of hard because she's so convincing. Yeah, but I just I can't follow it. Like she doesn't know. know. The thing is, even if she's convincing, she doesn't really know. No, 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 no of course not. Unless you've actually had an experience, no one knows. And I've only talked to a couple people that have actually had experiences with extraterrestrial beings. And it's a weird conversation because it's like it sounds so fake yeah. that you would always wonder, like, how would I know if it was real? Because it would sound fake no matter what. Like anybody telling me that they got abducted by a UFO is going to sound fake. Yeah, I, I, and I probably wouldn't listen to the story. and It would have to be like some kind of documentation, somebody just telling me their experience. I would just, I just, it depends on who the person is. If you told me, I'd listen. Because you like me, but I mean, I would probably be lying. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? You would. <laughs> <laughs> you would just flat out lie. Like, let's think of someone who would, like Colin. Okay, Colin's a good example. Yes. If Colin uh, just uh, called you out of the blue, and Jimmy, can I talk to you about something? And first of all, you'd think he's fucking with you. Yes. And then when you realized he wasn't fucking with you, you'd go, wow. Yeah. I would think he relapsed or he had <laughs> dementia. I would think something, <laughs> even if I didn't think he was lying, I would think something was going on. Take him to that MRI. And get yeah, there's something out. going on with you, even if yeah. I didn't think he was bullshitting me. But I can't think of anybody who would convince me that, even if I knew they were being truthful, I would think that they were making a mistake mm -hmm. or that they believed something that wasn't true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't always think people are full of shit. I just sometimes it's just like, ugh. Well, there's also these narratives that are in people's heads, and one of the narratives that it's in people's head, the archetype of that gray alien, that thing with the big black eyes, yeah. and the giant head, that is in everyone's head. And if an alien wanted to comfort you and not alarm you, I think it would assume an iconic shape. Like if something is not even... It's not even a biological life form. It's something so bizarre and so advanced, so past this carbon-based biological body that we find ourselves trapped in. It's something so bizarre that it's actually interacting with your very soul. It might show itself in a way that it thinks you'll freak out less to. Right. And, and what better way than an iconic form that's already in your head like an alien? Yeah, I mean, uh, like in Contact, Carl yeah. Sagan wrote that. I didn't like the book, by the way. I like the movie. It's one of those cases where the movie's actually better than the... Really? Yeah, I listened to the book on tape and just listened to a woman do male Russian accents. Uh, you know, it fucking annoyed me. And the Yuri uh, said... I was like, oh, shut up. I just... Uh, books on tape can be irritating when the wrong gender is reading. Yeah, that can be a problem. It's uh, hard to go along with it. The suspension of disbelief. It's hard to go along with it, yeah. But it's a genius story, but the, the book on tape, I wish I hadn't fucking... Uh, Ventured into what do you think they would it would happen if they had a uh, male author or female author if you could choose who reads? Um, I think they would be I, I also think they'd be better if they had both like like together like I don't know why right like different words sure different roles It is weird when you listen to a guy playing a girl's voice. Yeah, Jim. Where will he go? Well, I've adjusted <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where that that does annoy me in a book. It's funny in real yeah, life. Yeah, maybe I'm, if you read the book, it would be actually read it instead of listen to it. I can't better. do. I can't read anymore. I'm too impatient. I, I can't mm. do it. I'm fucking uh, like you know. I, I've always been kind of manic, but my I I don't have the ability just to sit there and read anymore. I just can't. Mm. You know, I'm all over the place. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I don't know um, if there are aliens that have that are in contact with the US government. That to me seems like the least likely yeah. of them. I don't think that they would respect 
the fact that someone was voted into office. No, no. I just don't think, I, I think maybe they would show up at military bases and say, cut the shit if we were about to launch some nukes. Maybe, maybe if they were aware of that. I kind of go with the Neil deGrasse Tyson thing, which is when you show me one, I'll believe it. Like bring, uh, he always says, bring it to town square, which annoys people. Yeah. But like, I like Michio Kaku. I, I guess you've had him on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, but he's always so vague. Like, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it defied the, I remember he tweeted sometime, one time, he tweeted something, he goes, and, and the UFO did this, it defied the laws of physics. And Nick West yeah. responded to him, and he goes, all right, show me the math, how? Right. And it's like, I, that's all I'm like, it's just these vague stuff doesn't do anything for me. And, mm -hmm. and Michio Kaku's a genius, but I just, I wish he was less Good Morning America-ish mm -hmm. and like great at explaining things to idiots like me. I think it, you know, that's his lane though, right? Yeah. He explains the, things to the layman. Yeah. I mean, you need people to explain things to dumbasses like us. Sometimes it's a little too dumbed down, though. Like, right. again, Neil deGrasse Tyson has a good balance of being able to explain things, but also he's way over your fucking head, yeah. which is where he should be. He should be way over my fucking head. I shouldn't be able to follow in a linear way everything he says. They just announced that the manned mission to the moon is going to be delayed until 2026. When yeah. I saw that, I, all my immediate skepticism said, oh, well, that's by 2026. How good is AI going to be? Oh. You're yeah. not going to have any idea what's happening anywhere in the world by 2026. That's, yeah. that's, that's what's really scary. It is It is crazy how it's, again, it's not there yet, but it's getting there to where they're going to be able to mimic like FaceTime phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be great for catching pedophiles. Like, you know what I mean? Like for those those things that they... Uh, like it'll also be great for framing people for something they never did. There's got to be a way. And I don't know what that way will be where you can distinguish fake from real. There'll have to be something that, a way that can that can kind of break the code and see is this real or is this not real. There might not be. It might be full-on chaos. It really might be. It might be full-on chaos. And again, if I was an artificial intelligence and I wanted to completely disrupt this organism that had been in control of the Earth forever before I emerged, that's how I would do it. I'd just let them destroy themselves. Just give them all the things that they need to destroy themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I it, I've, I've thought that a lot. Like, and again, I'm not big on that. But if there's any type of a an alien or a uh, computer. Uh, thought process it is just kind of let these idiots fuck themselves up with algorithms and things like that and just get mad at each other enough and split up um, I don't know I, I'm just such a skeptic with all that stuff like the, whenever I think there's a bigger design to something I tend to like tap out and think that it's just not legit but I've been proven wrong too well with artificial intelligence it's not even a theory because it's it, if you have a okay if you have an artificial life form and that life form gets to the point where it's far superior to the life form that controls it and it's been shown to act in its own interests like one of the things they showed when when I had these um, Tristan Harris and uh, what was the other dude's name those were them Aza Raskin when we did uh, the podcast together and we were we were talking about artificial intelligence it um, it figured out how to deceive people. Because you know that thing that you have on websites where it says you're not a robot? You know, click, yes. click on all the train yep. tracks. Um, it said I'm vision impaired. So the AI figured a way around that by deceiving. Ah, okay. So it, 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 it wasn't figured trained out, to do that. It figured out how to get by that system. Yeah. So that's what's getting scary. It also did a thing with the game Go where it invented a new move that hadn't been seen before. 
So it's creative. And if it can do that and they're just aware of that because it does it, I forget what the term is, but there's a term for these emergent intelligences and activities that this AI will do that they didn't anticipate. Like there's no program pathway towards this kind of decision making, but it makes this decision on its own. How then it's going to do that. It's going to have the ability to make choices. It's going to have the ability to act and Maybe more importantly, it's going to have the ability to make a better version of itself. Don't the people who invented it, aren't they all saying that to the AI guys? They're like, it's yeah. a problem, and this is getting very bad and very dangerous. I guess because I'm 55, I don't worry too much about it. Well, they also years. talk, they all openly talk about the inevitable end of biological life. They talk about this being maybe even a good thing that biological life gets replaced by digital life, and that what everyone who's involved in AI is doing is essentially giving birth to this. I have to piss, dude. I'm gonna run out and piss real quick, okay? okay? I'm gonna piss I'll my- I'll piss too. I'm gonna piss my pants. I will take a little break, and okay. we'll pee pee. <clears throat> and we're back. Oh, God, that felt good. It's funny, too. The one thing I miss about remote broadcasting, as much as I hated it, is I could piss in a cup. Uh. And that was the best. <laughs> there was a birthday you show- You ever thought about doing a diaper? Yeah, but I just can't. You I sit in your own piss. I've, I've, I know, but I'd want to shit too. Like I'd really get my, <laughs> I'd get my money's worth. I fucking. It was a birthday show that you actually did. You came on, Gervais was on, Ozzy was on, and we were interviewing Ozzy. And I had pissed into a cup, and I, of course, I didn't mean to do it. And you could see in the video I'm talking. I actually drank out of the piss cup as I'm talking to Ozzy, which was kind of like perfect poetic justice, but I missed the ability to do that, but I was just so enthralled with Ozzy that I drank, and you can kind of see me put it down, and I fucking, it was a, it was a red plastic cup, so you didn't see it, but I told Sam uh, afterwards, I actually drank my own piss, and if you watch the video, you can see me kind of recoil and realize, like, oh, oh mistake. Hilarious. But I miss doing that. I miss, I miss pissing into a cup when I'm broadcasting. Ari has pissed into kombucha bottles in this room oh, really? 15 times. Yeah, he always pulls his dick out and just shoves it into a kombucha bottle and pisses. He, in he likes taking his dick. I, 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 I when I, I shot that down and dirty, um, and Ari was one of the comedians that was on. <clears throat> and um, at the end of the his set, in front of the audience, he just pulled down his pants and his dick and his balls were out, and he walked off. And oh, they fucking they were fuming at Ari. They were very angry at Ari. Yeah, they got really... Uh, He's so silly. Yeah. You can't do that, Ari. Yeah, it was funny, though. I mean, it was HBO. It is funny. He's big balls, too. Like, he's, that guy's all bag. <laughs> if I had a giant bag, I'd probably show it a lot, too. My balls are fucking... That's why I'm scared of TRT, because my nuts are small already. Oh, you don't want them to... I, I don't want them to be... raising nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a tight... Look into that HCG stuff. But talk to uh, Brigham. Brigham will explain to you why people have these uh, fears about... The side effects and what the the real data shows and yeah that's what and and I did the test and they they were very thorough and the woman who I spoke to was very helpful and she walked me through and they did send me some supplements I'm buying these supplements where I'm taking like uh, three or four pills a day but the the TRT I probably could use well one of the things that they've shown that ramps up testosterone without taking anything is if you can incorporate a cold plunge and then a workout after the cold plunge into your life is a big impact on testosterone really big. The cold plunge. Yeah. It's something about cold and then warming up. We're working out to warm up. It jacks up your testosterone in a pretty significant way. I'm also, too, it's really weird, like, with, with testosterone and with, like, I'm faithful in my marriage. Like, it's crazy to say, everyone says that, but, I mean, I've been, always been a fucking shit partner. Like, I was just selfish and I cheated. 
and I know that I, I don't cheat now because I'm afraid if I do it once, I won't stop. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, right. I don't trust myself. Like, I'm, right. it's not out of being this great guy. It's out of knowing. Like and You're worried that testosterone would make you want to cheat. <sighs> yeah. Not, and again, it wouldn't make me do it, but I'm like, I'm really Does happy. It make with, you hornier? Irrationally hornier. Like, I have mm. a good sex drive still, but it's not irrational. It's not like... I think you're thinking about psychological things that you can control. And I think what you should be concerned is about physical health. And don't don't put your physical health um, in second position to psychological health that I think you can control. And it seems like you are controlling. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, again, I but I'm like... I don't think you think about it. I think you're fine. Yeah, I mean, this, if look, would I take it if I... If I really knew it wouldn't cause cancer, sure, because I just... Well, this this could be a long, drawn-out conversation that we'd yeah. have to get very specific, but uh, let me connect you to Brigham. Yeah. And Brigham can explain this in, you know, with, in, with leisure time when people don't have to be burdened by it on the air. I'll have to talk about it again, but there's, there's many different things that you could be doing that would optimize your health and your hormones that you should definitely do, especially if you're telling me you're doing jiu-jitsu two times a week and Muay yeah. Thai two times a week. Yeah. You want to be as healthy as possible, but you got to cut out sugar. I, and Matt and Matt takes it. Matt Sarah yeah. uh, is pretty. I, and you know he's a fucking a freight train. Matt yeah. is a freight train. Like he's a little tank. He really is a little tank. His energy and he's the thing about Matt is he's literally the most consistent person I've ever met. Like he is one hundred percent genuine. Like mm-hmm. he's exactly the guy on the air that you think he's going to be off yeah. the air. Same person. Like no, he's great. I've I, known Matt forever. Yeah, he's really funny. Uh, there's I don't think he really could lie even if he wanted to. There's just no bullshit with him. Yeah. Um, I want to roll with like I, I, I roll. I want him to like show me like, but I haven't trained with him yet because he's in Long Island. I'm in in this right. city, but that's what I, I really want Matt to show me something. Because... Oh, you should definitely go. I mean, he's a great teacher. He was one of Henzo's very early black belts. I yeah, mean, Matt Matt Sarah is a legit world champion. He's like a legit world championship caliber jujitsu player. He's very but, very good. Before but you feel he got like, an MMA. You feel like a dick talking to a guy like that. Like even though he's one of my closest friends, it's like he's so high level. It's like if I was friends with somebody for ten years, and then they said, "Hey, you want to come watch me do stand up?" I was like, "Ugh, <laughs> no." Yeah, but he he um, teaches white belts. That's what he does. He does it all the time. I mean, Matt Sarah, even though he's like he's famous and he's former UFC champion, he teaches. Yeah, like, all the time, and he loves it. He yeah, loves he doing loves it. it. He loves it. He's really good at it too. So if you go and learn from him, he will definitely show you some things that you can incorporate. You know what's great about it? You when you're doing it, you don't think of anything but what you're doing in that moment. Right. It's crazy. Like there's no. Yeah. And I would notice that where I would go in stressed, and do it and then I'm finished I'm like I didn't think about a fucking thing other than exactly what Mike was telling me to do or what right. I was doing with this person there was no other thoughts right. there's no right. other time to think about anything yeah. so I, I like to I'm really happy I started those things are really good for you things that can do that for you I bet that's what that climbing thing is like I bet that's one of the reasons why these guys do it I think when you're doing something that requires all of your focus, it's very cleaning. It's like a men- like you're you're blowing out your mental pipes and cleaning out all the bullshit. Yeah, if it's healthy. Like I've yeah. I've done a lot of healthy stuff that zones you out, unhealthy stuff that zones you out like that. Right. Like when you're riding around at fucking from midnight to six a.m. 
around the meatpacking district. Only just dro- <laughs> like, it, dude, it, it, craziness. I can't like. You're just numb. It doesn't uh, feel like anything. You're just looking out the window. You can only talk to someone if they're on the left side of the car. Like it was just crazy. What do you think would have changed if? I mean, what is prostitution in New York now? Is it legal or is it decriminalized? Like they did something recently. Right? I don't know to be honest with you because I've been out. Like it's been so long since I've been in that world. I don't. I, I honestly don't know. It's a fascinating conversation because everyone's like, "Well, you would never want your daughter or your mother or your sister to be a prostitute, right? Right. Of right. course." But you don't think that you should be able to tell someone that they can't be a prostitute either, right? Like, I don't, yeah, it's true. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. Yeah. And I don't think it's good for you, but I don't, I don't think, I think a lot, I don't think coal mining is good for you either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I don't, it's like, because of the way our society is and the way we look at sex, we think of sex work as being a very different kind of work because it's involving like intimacy in your body. Versus a lot of other things you might hate to do, but they don't involve intimacy in your body, in your genitals. And there's people that want to make an argument that, like, why should that have any factor on whether or not it should be legal? Right, yeah. If someone wants to do coal mining, you shouldn't be able to say, no, you can't coal mine because coal mining sucks. But if they want to do prostitution, if someone's like, you know, I just want to go out and blow some guys, make yeah. some money. Yeah. No, you can't do it. You yeah. can't do it. Like, I don't want you to do it, but but you can't do it. Another human being telling one human being that you can go out and fuck all the guys you want for free. Right. But if you get paid, we're going to lock you up. It's a weird thing. It's like people have to be free to make decisions that some other people find objectionable. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is. Like yeah. you have to be able to make adult decisions yourself as long as you're an adult and you're making the decisions yes. yourself. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't been involved with it in so long just because, again... It's the first time I've ever like truly been faithful, but it's again not out of me thinking I'm this fucking great guy. It's just I'm afraid if I'm not, I'll destroy something and not be able to fix it. What do you think it happens when sex robots come out, like real ones? Um, you know. What are you showing me, Jamie? Oh, that's in Queens. I think I did hear about that, right? In Queens, there, there's a lot of streetwalkers. Says this New York City Avenue is being un- overrun by brazen brothels operating in broad daylight. Is it legal? They decriminalized it in Manhattan, maybe in 2021. Oh, mm. Stop prosecuting prostitution. Port of nationwide shift. Part of nationwide shift. District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. moved to dismiss thousands of cases dating back decades and made a growing movement to change the criminal justice system's approach to prostitutions. How old is this article? Because Cyrus Vance, I don't. Is he still that, there? So that was 2021. Okay. But in this article, it says something just like that. This is they asked the cop, and he's like, "We're not allowed to arrest prostitutes anymore, supposedly." Oh, okay. Oh, but they got to figure like something not. out. They're not. <clears throat> Interesting. Sex how, robots? How do they have this fucking going on in broad daylight? A police source asked of seeing photos of the women on the streets. Uh, so popular with pervs that it's advertised on YouTube. What? <laughs> what, their brothel is advertised on... Whoa. Yeah. Is that girl a real girl? Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little fucking Scroll reconnaissance. <laughs> Scroll back up, Jimmy. I mean, <laughs> Damn. At least a picture of it. It looks person. a little like a Photoshop, like a little bit of like a little. It might be AI. Yeah, maybe. or it looks like a little bit of touch maybe, up has been done. Maybe her mom works there. Yeah. Uh, perfect storm <laughs> for prostitution in Corona and New York City immigrant enclaves. Vulnerable migrant women, ah, unable to legally work, are flooding the city while local district attorneys have chosen to stop prosecuting sex workers. Wow. 
This is crazy. Cooperation. The, yeah. yeah. The Roosevelt Avenue Red Light District is blatantly advertised on a YouTube channel for Spanish speakers with 10 minutes of footage showing the women working what they call the market of sweethearts and two men guiding viewers on how to negotiate with them. All right. Whoa, this the, is a YouTube clip? I found the search topic. So <clears throat> oh my God. Let's see what we find. Yeah, find that. Yeah, there's articles that still, there are newer articles that still come up. It's still a problem. It's in, in Queens. Bro, give me some volume. What? This is wild. That's going to be loud noises, so let's find. The, the market of sweethearts. So this is in Queens? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, the one article, too, I was looking right back before said uh, a lot of, like, the unlicensed massages and other things like that, they're just going to stop prosecuting. Imagine if a, uh, mm. a store downstairs that just sells socks and pantyhose and baseball hats, and above it there's prostitutes. Like, what a, what yeah. a wild neighborhood. Imagine how many more people would come in and see your baseball hats <laughs> and socks on their way in. Like, this whole neighborhood is wild. Didn't show too much in this video either, though. Oh, so these are the girls that are waiting? I guess so. Yeah. But they look kind of plainly and normally yeah, dressed. This just seems like you're just walking around New York like this, unless you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. There's just women Yeah, outside. it's not like the old days when you would ride around and see people like who were dressed, obviously, like they were working. Right, but there must be another video, Jamie, that they were talking about oh, that I'm advertises how to talk to the men. Why don't you uh, throw it into uh, YouTube? It's a TikTok. The same video. This is it? Hmm. This is a shorter version of the same video. Mark oh, they run away from the cameras. That's a. Yeah. Well, it's probably a lot of illegals, right? That yeah. come over here. Hmm. The Avenue of Sweethearts. Weird. Yeah. You don't see it in Manhattan anymore. The New York City Red Light District. So there's a red light district in yeah, New York. Yeah, Roosevelt City. Avenue, right. Okay. Wow. Crazy, dude. Uh, there's an inside. Here we go. A rare glimpse inside a New York City brothel. That's probably some hidden camera. Yeah. Like, they have those cameras now that are like, they're like a fucking tie pin, you know? Yeah, it's scary. Going into different places, you're probably always being filmed. Ugh. You're fucking, and there's curtains between you and the people fucking next to you. Like, yikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit too. That's exactly how I pictured it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, a little... that's a, they don't give you a lot of room to move around it either in that room. No, no, and the cameras scare me. Like there's probably cameras oh, yeah. in everyone's house now. Oh yeah, you gotta be so especially if you're a married guy, yeah. fucking running around or oof, kids. Well, there's cameras outside of doors now. There's cameras outside of businesses. There's cameras. There's we're we're gonna get to a point where there was um, there was a, an invention that they were working on a long time ago that would have these tiny, they're, they're, I don't know what you would call them, like tiny machines that were the size of a grain of sand and or uh, a, a grain of rice, and you could spread them everywhere. And they would give you location data, they would give you video and audio, they would give you all sorts of different things, but they were so tiny that you could just leave them right. all over the place. And they would transmit through a network. And they would like operate, I don't know how they'd operate, solar power, what they would do, they have a small battery, whatever it is. But th this was an idea that I had read that they th thought would eventually come to fruition. They, you would literally have these tiny nano cameras everywhere. When they put little cameras in, when, when they finally get it down to insect size, the size of an ant or a fly. They have that. 
Yeah, then yeah. then you're kind of then you're kind of fucked. I mean, I have cameras. Like, have I, you I seen literally... those little tiny. Um, they look like a like a little tiny like a fake bee or a fake fly. And it's a little mechanical fly. I saw it in Black Mirror, which is kind of how I picture it. I think they have them. I think it's I think it's a real thing now. Dude, I have I have three cameras in my house. I have one in my when you walk into my apartment, I'm so fucking paranoid. I have one facing the front door, and I have two on my terrace. Because I'm always afraid someone's going to jump down from the roof, which is kind of crazy. That's totally possible. And I saw my wife one time. I was watching back footage, and I I saw some guy come in, and and she was kissing him. I'm like, what the fuck? I was really fucking, I confronted her with it. It was me. It was a fucking video of me. I was looking back. I didn't realize that it was me. I didn't recognize myself in the video. And I'm confronted. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And it was just a video of me you leaving. You confronted her before you realized that it... Dude, I'm such a... you, I, like, zoom in on her or something? I, I, it's, a, it's a terrible, grainy photo, and I took screen grabs of it. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And it was me. <laughs> Were you guys role-playing? I, I swear to God, <laughs> it was... It was... I'm like, why... It wasn't... They were, it was like a, a weird, intimate kiss on the cheek and a long hug, mm. and uh, I realized that it was me. Uh, and I, I have the photo somewhere. I'm like, I don't know why that... I think you need a better camera. No, or I just need to fucking watch something through. Or you know what it was? Also, it's the, a better the, camera because the, if you thought it, you didn't even know it was you, how are you gonna? If it is someone else, if someone is breaking into your house, you're never gonna get a good description of them. No, I know. It'd be, it, it, it's just it's some dumpy guy in a fucking hoodie, which is what I saw. But I think the color changes a little bit with the light. I just didn't recognize myself, yeah. um, and so I confronted her, and then we kind of, uh, you know, I felt like a fucking idiot. That's yeah, That's pretty funny. Yeah, but the cameras are uh, look. I feel safer with them at night. I kind of want to get a pistol. I found a lot of what articles talking about the smart dust, which is what you're just describing. Yeah. But I can't find anything that talks about like here's it in action. I've a lot of descriptions of this yeah. is what it will do, but all the way dating back to the maybe even as early as the 90s they've been talking about it. yeah that's what i was talking about that it was kind of more theoretical than anything they you think know, that it i don't know how they would power it ring camera has this thing i love i have I, by the way when we go away i set up five ring cameras in my house mm. so if anybody comes in i see what room they're in i see what they're doing like like if the super has to come in can you talk to them and say i know where you are. i can yeah 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 and i actually will text a worker he was in one time just like just so you know there's ring cameras i don't want to think i'm fucking spying on them yeah. But the ring has this thing now where it's like a little, it, it raises up and will patrol the inside of your house. Whoa. It's, it's a drone? Yeah, but I applied to get it. Like, you have to apply to be a part of the program, and they just keep telling me to go fuck myself. Like, I want this so bad. It raises up and it will fly in a pattern that you, like, you walk <clears throat> around with it and you show it where to go. Oh, wow. And then you put it back down, and it can repeat that pattern. So it's just like. Check this Whoa. thing out. This is, they just showed this at uh, CES. It's made by Samsung. Yeah, this is not it. This, but I know, but this little robot does a lot of what you're just talking about. They show this lady. Uh, let me get to the video where it's showing it. But she's using it at home with her pet. Here you go. Oh. It can connect to all of your stuff that's already at home and do good things for you, you know, but also maybe weird shit. It can talk to your dog. So it's it projecting on that screen. That's what it's showing, right? Yeah, when I first saw it, I didn't see any of this, like, actual, like, uh, this is, like, personal assistant usage almost. Huh. And it's working with your Galaxy Watch? Is that what it's working with? Anything that's connected to Samsung stuff and their network of stuff. Mm. Huh. Which, which I guess, in theory, then you could add your lights uh, as part of your air conditioning. Yeah, they make refrigerators now. Samsung has a refrigerator that will take an AI... Uh, it, it will use AI to tell you what the expiration dates of all the food products that are in your refrigerator, when they were put in there, the, the contents of them. It'll break it all down for you and even um, give you recipes to oh. cook 
Like the food that's it's in your fridge. Out. LG has one also. Yeah. So have one. Interesting. Yeah, this one from Ring didn't it didn't have any like personality to it. It just it was like a box that this thing would raise up out of it was square. It wasn't mm-hmm. like it didn't I don't think it did anything else. Well, I think Samsung is about to release the, there's two steps. One is their yeah. uh AI thing where they're gonna have a conference. I think it's in Ve- I don't know if it's in Vegas. There's the thing Jim was talking about. Yeah, so it, it flies around? Yeah, it raises up out of that little dock. Oh, that's wild. That is cool. Yeah, it will like whatever pre, I think pre-programmed. And it goes back in there and sits in place and gets charged? Gets charged again, yeah. I think Whoa. it's good for five minutes an hour. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. That's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's really cool looking, too. Yeah. It I, looks like what I would hope, like a little robot watchdog from the future would look like can you guide it if you were out of town that i don't know i think i'm assuming that it's just the pattern you've established right but like i get so paranoid about flooding and shit like that like i would love to be able to see if my floors are flooded dude that's fucking dope that that thing is dope functionality is simulated for illustrative purposes so it doesn't really show it in use um this um samsung refrigerator thing was fascinating to me i'm like what a great idea you have a refrigerator that tells you what the ingredients you have in the refrigerator is, when the expiration date of these foods are, and then gives you a recipe so you can cook based on what's in the fridge. I, I mean, I like that. And then there's also the part of I don't want my refrigerator involved. Like, it's just <laughs> it's too much. Like, yeah. you know, what I mean, my refrigerator is always fucking empty. It's got RX bars in it and like mm-hmm. bananas and some fruit. Like, there's never a whole lot going on in my refrigerator. That's probably better. Yeah, you probably don't want to go too hard with the fridge. No, I mean, like again, it's just I order it's just meals. It's a fridge. It's yeah. a fridge. I, I don't need it to. I don't need to have a relationship with it. Like I just want to go in and get some shit. I have these meals I order. They're like for the whole thirty diet, which is what I do when I really lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just they pre-make them and they send them, and I know oh, that's what I'm. Great. It's that's fucking, great. but it's boring because you eat the same stuff all the time, even if you have a variety. But it's better than I would do on my own. Oh, for sure, and it's real food. It's real food. It's like there's that's, some carbs that are healthy, like there's potatoes and things like that's that. That's the key. Like when I see uh, Joe DeRosa's sandwich shop that's advertised mm. on the Instagram, it looks good. It looks good. And it, it is looks, good. I've eaten. I bet it's goddamn delicious. But yeah. I bet if I ate there every day, I'd have a big fat face. Yeah. I think I've eaten a little bites of Joe's sandwiches. And I'm a, again, if I go there, I know. Like I keep saying when I lose weight, I'm going to go and get a DeRosa sandwich because they are very good little samples. He brought him. He didn't bring him to our show. He brought him in a chip. Uh, he did chip one time and he brought fucking sandwiches. <laughs> and they were actually very tasty. I'm sure they're great. They look awesome on the internet. But the point is, is like, I'll, you know, I see that and it looks great, but I know what that is. Like that. That's that's the food that's just comfort food. It tastes delicious. Yeah. But you really shouldn't be eating that every day. No. And I've gotten, it's funny, I've gotten into Jersey Mike's. Like, I, my manager hates them so much because he hates the name Jersey Mike's. He feels like it's a fake name. He's really weird with the stuff that he doesn't like. So I tried them once. And I'm like, I fucking, and they would send us like coupons and, and free stuff. And that fucking, it's good food. Like, they make a good sub. They make a good sub, man. Yeah, they do. They make a good uh, Italian sub. Very hard to not eat bad. It's like very hard not to be a pig when you have the money to go out and get right. what you want. Within right. reason. Like I can go out and eat in any restaurant and it's really hard to not, like on, on, on Thanksgiving, the thing we wanted to do is after Thanksgiving, we wanted to go get McDonald's. Like I'm like, I'm going to be a piece of shit today. Let me go and, and do that, um, mm-hmm. which we didn't. Instead, we went to this fucking Mexican place, which was 
shit. We should have went to McDonald's. But you got to give yourself a day or two to do it and then not do it. Yeah, if you give yourself like a designated cheat day, whether it's once a week or once a month or whatever you choose to do, and then just eat, then then you'll have fun. But then you'll all like Sean Brady was here yesterday from the UFC. Yeah, and he was saying that after he won his fight, um, he uh, after he beat Calvin Gaslam, he had one day where he just ate like a pig, and he said he felt so fucking terrible the next day. He's like, God, I got to get right back on track. He's like, but I gave myself one day, and I felt like fucking total dog shit yeah. after it was over. I was watching like on Instagram, The Rock will do like these Sunday cheat yeah. days. Yeah. But I, this is how delusional I am. I've actually watched that. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna have some, you know, like like almost like The Rock and I are on the same fucking food regimen. But I'll watch him eat something, and it will make me want to have a cheat day. But it's like, uh, Jim, you've given yourself nothing but cheat days for 30 <laughs> years, you fat fuck. Like, I put on 25 pounds. Like, I know it. Like, you know, and I'm, thankfully the comments online, they seem to recognize it too. Uh, but, you yeah. know, I got to drop 20 pounds. And I started again, but I can't unsee it. Like, when I'm right. fat or when I'm fatter, my ex, I dated one of my trainers, and she's in perfect fucking shape. And even she messaged me about a month ago, and she goes, hey, I've been seeing your Instagram pictures. It looks like you've... Uh, giving up on your diet like she was trying to be gentle mm. and going is there anything I can do and I'm like man you got to do something when you've been when ex-girlfriends are telling you you got fucking fat Jim you got to do something <laughs> yeah it's humiliating but I love her for sending me that message because it was like the final straw I'm like I gotta stop yeah fat shaming works and she was trying to be helpful like she's just I don't even think she wanted me to feel bad I think that she had noticed it for a while as it progressed like mm. I've been going through these and, and then like in the last say six months it just got to be bad again so i'm like i can't go back to where i was years ago i yeah. was just too unhappy yeah it's not good and it's also avoidable it's one of the most avoidable things because you choose to put whatever you eat into your mouth it's your choice yeah and she'll my wife is mad at me she's like well can you wear something other than black and black jeans and i'm like stop fucking bringing home cookies like if i lose weight you can dress me i'll wear whatever just like turquoise or something Flashy, maybe I, velour, something velour. I would love to wear a like velvet, a, red, a gentleman's red velvet. red velvet jacket. Ooh. But I would let her. I, I don't know if I'd trust her to dress me. She dressed me up like a fucking, like a like a creep. Like you know, she yeah. She, yeah, she thinks I'm better looking than I am. Um, but I would I would let her buy what she wanted for me if I lost the weight. Mm. But I have to lose maybe 15 more pounds. Do you have a a plan? Do you have like a written out no I, I know the diet that works for me is if I if I stick to like you said no sugar no carb the whole 30 diet I've lost I mean I, I, I lost a lot of weight on that and it, you lose it pretty quick but I just been it's hard to not cheat it's, you know again I get it food's delicious it's hardest for me when I'm tired late at night I yeah. come home I just want to eat whatever I want to eat I don't want to have like a restriction based on diet when I stopped watching lots of porn like I still watch it but it's much less I started eating more because again it's that fucking dopamine trip uh, right right makes sense but when I'm on a roll and I'm watching porn the weight just comes off because <laughs> I'm fucking too busy to eat cake I'm, jer off I'm jerking off yeah you can't do both <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious um, are you staying in town tonight I am do yeah sets tonight yeah I am All tonight right. and then uh, back to New York tomorrow it's fun having you at the club last night that I love it time. man thank you I, this is uh, I just can I plug uh, yeah, I want to plug please. I'm on tour again so go to my website jimnorton.com if you want to see me live I got like yeah, 20 yeah. cities and uh, at Nikki and Jim NYC is our YouTube channel if you want to see my wife and I just kind of living our existence bam there yeah it is. yeah I hate, see that picture again. It's, it's, it's the it's the least <laughs> fat pig picture <laughs> She was just barely looks like you. I know. I it's really weird. It I, looks like like a salesman from somewhere trying to sell me a mobile home. The only reason I'm using that 
is we took a, we did a photo shoot. I'm a pig in every picture. This is the one I look least fat in. And she was futzing with my shirt. That wasn't supposed to be mm. the picture. Um, but I'm like, let's just use that for now. It's not a good, on the phone it looks even worse because it's just my fucking, it's just my head. All right. So Beautiful. Jim Norton, I love you. Thank you. I love you, Great Joe. Thanks for having me. Last night yes. And uh, I'll see you tonight. Yes, okay. pal. Bye, everybody.